and welcome to the podcast of the Dairy Burger, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about Sweet Valley High. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Sweet Valley High, book number 16, Rags to Riches. Are we just gonna... (laughs) (laughs) I think we're gonna drift in and out of the fiction that we've always been Sweet Valley High podcast. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Right, um... Okay. Yeah, we totally know who all of these characters are. I can't emphasize enough that uh, we have fully read all of the books up to now, and we definitely know who Olivia Davidson and Roger Barrett are. Yeah. Uh, but just in case we have anyone joining us for the first time, um, Roger Barrett is some dude. And <laughs> he just found out he's a patman, which means he's super rich after all. Yes. In fact, he wasn't just some dude. He was poor. You're right. You're right. He was poor. He had to. He had to have a job. He was a poor guy. He had a single mother. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Until very recently, and not because his parents were respectably divorced or anything like that. No, no I know. Um, I, th- I think she did it <laughs> with a rich guy who then died in a su- sudden accident or something, leaving no provision for his uh, girlfriend. And her unborn baby. I think that's yep. what happened. Is that well, right? I mean, in the absolutely beautifully explained, not at all info dumpy fucking <laughs> backstory, which, you know, I was reading that and thinking, was this actually woven nicely into the previous? No, I really don't think so. This was it. We get like three pages where it explains the entire oh, yeah, I think that's- extremely <laughs> melodramatic backstory. Oh, there was. So the end of this book does have a... Find out what happens in the next book, uh, like with a bit of a lead in. So maybe that happened in book 16, which we also definitely read on this podcast. I'm assuming the guy's mother died on the last page of the previous book or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's probably, probably. It's probably that. Um, so he is now living with the Patman family, which consists of, um, Henry Patman? H? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Henry Patman, who is his uncle, who is just about an acceptable human. His aunt, who is fucking awful. Yeah. And his cousin, who I actually do remember. Oh, so yeah. I did read a handful of these when I yeah. was younger. Um, his cousin is called Bruce and he is a stereotypical douchebag. He's yes. in fact, from, from, from my memories of reading, um, I must have read at least one Sweet Valley High book. I know I read a bunch of Sweet Valley Twins books and I probably like grudgingly sat through some of, some of the TV show. Um, his name is Bruce Patman. It's not Bruce, it's Bruce Patman. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. They don't ever you know. <laughs> it's Bruce Patman. Yeah, no, Bruce sounds too much like a, a human with a yeah. personality. Um, yeah, so this guy is Bruce Patman and he has a permanently popped collar in my head. It's not described <laughs> yeah. in books, but definitely. It, oh yeah. It's, it's part of his just skin. And his name is Bruce Patman because the important thing about Bruce is that he's a Patman. And the important thing about mm. the Patmans is that they are rich. I think Bruce Patman was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and deck shoes on his feet. They're just yes, yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just uh, a fucking personified deck shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. <sighs> Can I say something before we get into the full thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. Just, um, anybody who uh, wandered into this podcast and actually really enjoyed the Sweet Valley books and has fond memories of them, um, you might want to skip this episode. Uh, we're sorry for what you're about to experience also, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, what? what yeah. Why? How? Yeah. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? Are you okay? <laughs> Have I mean, you talked look, to somebody about this? Some people, some people are working through trauma. 
Yeah, okay? that's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people use fiction. Also, some people just like reading scandalous tales of shitty humans doing shitty things. That's mm-hmm. why soap operas are so popular. I mean, yeah. But it's not our thing. There's something especially I like rotten in the state of this. There are limits. There, there's working through trauma by engaging with problematic text. And then mm-hmm. there's Jessica Wakefield. And like, Who is actually just a sociopath. I think 50% yeah. of my notes in this were, were just her name and sociopath in the tag. <laughs> she's like, so frightening. She's not, she, it's, she's not okay. I'm not okay no. with the fact that she's a, um, a protagonist effectively in this. It's I, like, I, because there, the text does give you a bit of sort of, oh, you know, that's not very good. I'm she's so roguish. Like, she's she's not roguish. She's a um, like she's See, a problem. The impression I always got with these books, because I, I I at first I remember when I was a kid reading them and being like, ah yes, twin girls. I read the Sweet Valley mm-hmm. Twins, the ones where they're twelve. I read a few of those. Yeah, I read a few of those too. Um, I think I read some of the ones where there were seven as well in someone else's house, but hmm. the twins ones. Um, I think, yeah, at the time I was of an age to read these, I was terrified of teenagers, probably because of fucking things like this. Um, and I really did not want to read Sweet Valley High and I would have absolutely hated it. So I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I read Sweet Valley Twins and I went into them thinking, ah, two protagonists who are twin sisters. And by the time mm-hmm. I'd read three or four of them, I was like, oh no, Elizabeth's a good guy and Jessica's the bad guy. Mm. And I was, cause it's always Jessica does shitty scheming. It doesn't go well for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elizabeth is sort of just there being a normal person in those books. Elizabeth Making- is that thing about all that's required for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. Yes. <laughs> the fucking just- is. I'm reading this book now as an adult. I was just like, why aren't you stopping her? She is just the fucking bystander effect. She's yeah. Just- she is, which we all know is lies. We've all read about it. We know. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, Kitty know. Genovese was a lesbian. We, we've read it all. It's okay. We know there was a lot going on in that. We, we yeah, know. The, the, there was more to it than that. No, um, she is but, the popular understanding of the bystander effect. Yes. There, uh, there is a bystander effect in the sense of, uh, yeah. can somebody please um, help me install this thing? I'm having trouble with it. And if you see five people have already responded to it, you're not going to fucking bother. Well, yeah. But apparently, um, if you... If you put that up on a forum where people cannot see the previous replies, you get endless replies. Yes. So that's, that's the bystander effect. Oh, yeah. That's just people not wanting to waste their time, not going, oh, I'm not going to help the woman who's been stabbed. Or occasionally freezing. Um, um, this, this book though. Yeah. So the, the extremely smooth discussion of, um, she couldn't believe it had only been a little over a week since Roger's mother had died of a heart attack and Henry Wilson Patman, one of the richest men in all of Sweet Valley, had announced Roger's real identity. This was Roger's first day back in school. That's it. That's the backstory. That's what we get. Throughout this book, I am in awe at the fact that his mother has been dead a week. And <laughs> all of this. like there is, there is so much wrong with this book, but that is the the worst aspect of it for me is that this poor guy is very very recently bereaved um and this is orphaned. this is not he's, just bereaved oh, he's orphaned. orphaned yeah um and he's like the everybody's take on this is that it's uh, yeah it's hard for him to adjust to this new life where he's living with this new family and now he's a millionaire and it's not like no he's actually he has he's lost grieving. the only family member that he had and he's grieving 
Um, and also his new family are kind of shit. Yeah, oh, they are. <laughs> but like, look, but right after, right after that paragraph, Roger says, one minute I'm Roger Bar- Barrett, total nothing from a terrible family. <laughs> and then my mother dies and I'm a millionaire. And I, my, my comment on that is all in capitals and it just says your dead mother, Jesus fucking marks on a bicycle, eat the rich. <laughs> uh, I yes. know, right? Um, also, you don't have to change your name, Roger. Your yeah. name is the name that you were given as a baby that, that you, like, did they make it a condition of you moving in with them that you had to change your name to Patman? Well, probably. There's some, like, Victorian, like, crazy people. Yeah, also, what blo- blows me away possibly the most about this book is also on this same first page. So his mother's been dead a week. He's moved in with these millionaires. He has taken the time to swap out his glasses for contact lenses. Because, yes. <laughs> like, the first thing you do on the way home from the funeral is swing by spec savers and get a contact lens fitting like you always wanted. Like, also, like, when did that, like, ew, glasses stop being a thing? Because we saw it in, the, in like... In the Babysitter's Club. Babysitter's yeah. Club as well. It's like, as soon as... Unless you're a hopeless dork, you just get contact. Yeah. Like... Contacts clearly have some kind of cultural cachet in the 80s that is no longer I, yeah. obvious I don't think now. contacts have the cultural cachet. I think that glasses are a social detriment. Mm. Like, I guess. I guess, like, if you look back, like, it was literally only nerds or old people wore glasses on television and stuff. Yeah. But TV is this, like very sort of rarefied version of society. Yeah, but so are these books. That's, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, these books are going to be more reflective of television than reality, and I think that I can say that wholeheartedly, yeah. <laughs> having read this one. Th- these books are more like a daytime soap than an actual book. They're there. worse than any daytime soap I have ever encountered. Although <laughs> that said, the, the UK soaps are the ones I'd be more familiar with, and the Irish ones, which are yeah. kind of of a piece, where it's yeah, like... Yeah, no, American daytime soaps are different. The American ones are full of really bitchy women. And glossy rich people, whereas glossy rich in people, yeah. the UK, it's 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 not. It's like a hundred people who live in the same yeah, a hundred working class people who live on the same street. Yeah, yeah. it ain't worth it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, this is like you know dynasty or something. This is yeah, this is some crazy shit. So yes, Roger's been orphaned, but more importantly, he's had a makeover. He's wearing <laughs> neat corduroys instead of his jeans. Um. He, yes, he tells his girlfriend over lunch the story of how he was conceived, which is a normal thing to do. Also, her relationship with him had a long history, but they're in fucking high school, so it didn't. <laughs> yes, it's been a whole several months. Two months, yeah. Uh, yes, apparently he took a cleaning job to make ends meet and everyone made fun of him, but Olivia is the nicest person in the world and therefore she still treated him as a human. Uh, so now they're going out. All physical labor is inherently demeaning, and the only like <laughs> virtuous, wholesome activity anyone should care about is tennis. <laughs> Look, this is the family. The Patmans hear that Roger wants to go into medicine, and they're like, "No, no, no! That's not good enough for you. You need oh to go God. into business." I'm so, so excited to get to, like, to the fuck. Okay, I'm. I've just yeah. I can I say that every representation of these people's obscene rich lifestyles not just the wealth the, the being rich yeah. is so fucking ridiculous it puts watson's three toaster ovens to shame <laughs> like it's like no 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 that's i i'm not a rich person but i don't think that that's, that's how anything works <laughs> no. my favorite conspicuous consumption example in the entire book though 
possibly the contacts actually with the same <laughs> yes. week his mom died is, is definitely the, the Ferrari that they take much care to point out is beige like that <laughs> makes beige it better Ferrari. somehow it's way worse <laughs> god a beige Ferrari sounds like a metaphor for something very sad though <laughs> he wants to show me the beige Ferrari you know what <laughs> <laughs> oh no I was gonna say some kind of high flying like thing about your aspirations not matching your your personality or something, but like Esther went uh it's it's a it's an intellectual joke. I went, uh dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Alright, let's talk about these people in their beige Ferraris. So um, All right. So yes, everybody's very excited about uh Roger Patman and his fortunate orphaning. I have to say, like, his dickhead of a dad who gave him this trust fund that he couldn't access till he was 21 and he wasn't supposed to know about. And it's like, why do you suppose he didn't want you to know? And my god on that is, he's a privileged dickhead who who forget, who doesn't realise that child poverty is a thing. Mm. Like, yeah. the fuck? The money would have been so useful. Mm-hmm. E- everyone assumes this is really shameful because, like, Roger's parents weren't married and, like, it's the 80s in America. I'm pretty sure people know, like, where babies come from. Yeah, where babies mm-hmm. come from. He can't, he can't bring himself to tell his girlfriend that his parents, like, hooked up. He just sort of goes very red and she's like, oh, but no. Nobody wants to say their parents had sex, though, when they were a teenager. No, but if you're telling the story of how you got conceived, it's kind of an important story. <laughs> My favourite entire thing is that nobody ever found out about it because the dad was killed in a plane crash flying down to Mexico on business. So just to cap it all off, like... <laughs> That's how rich people die. <laughs> in plane crashes flying down to Mexico on business, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's like being lost at sea in a Dickens novel. Exactly. It was going to be this or a yachting accident. It's way more common in real life to get lost at sea. <laughs> yeah. Like, planes are fairly Especially safe. if you're yacht rich, which these people are. Yes. Yeah, they, they, he could just as easily have got, yeah, lost at sea while neglecting his partner and unborn child. Yes. Well, you know, rich people. Uh, oh yeah, no, he was married to somebody else, but even so, like, come on. Yes, but everyone hated her. The text says so. Yes. Yeah. So it's fine. I assume she was going to be an element in this story, but she is just nope. a throwaway line. Yeah. No. No, she's just no. she's just there. Yeah. Um so yeah, meanwhile Jessica and Lila, who are both terrible people, mm-hmm. um, are talking about whether Roger is hot now that he's rich, basically. Cause Lila had thought he was cute and then was like, Oh wait, he's poor. Oh god no. Yeah. Mm. But now he's rich, so maybe he's hot after yeah. all. And this is just presented as kind of normal. Like, you know, Lila had been appalled when she found out how poor he was. And we're like, oh yeah, people people do that. I yeah, feel like other teen shows and books and stuff have mean rich people in high school, right? That is a trope. But they yeah. generally are not this basic. And I don't mean <laughs> that in the, like, wears Ugg boots and drink Starbucks. I mean, like, like they are just robots, they yeah. have no development in their characters. Um, they're slightly different varieties of bitch is the only, yeah. like, <laughs> slightly different motivations. But other than that, like... Jessica yeah, the- is a slightly more proactive bitch. Like, yeah. she's really yeah, gonna get, like, she loves an El Machination. She does. She does. Lila is just sort of more waiting to observe everyone's downfall. Like, Jessica really wants to meddle with your shit. Mm. Like, Lila does take matters into her own hands to a point, but... Yeah, um, not as convoluted. 
no, that's, that's it. true. Yeah, no. And it's like, I think that's it. Lila wants to observe everyone's downfall. Jessica wants to get what Jessica wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've got some stakes. Uh, because in in true preppy fashion, the Patmans have decided to welcome their new nephew by giving a formal dance at the Sweet Valley Country Club, the most exclusive club for miles around. I cannot believe that somebody wrote a teen novel where a formal dance at a country club is an essential plot point, and they expected to be taken seriously and were in fact taken seriously. And this was a successful novel for teens. <laughs> Are you picturing like moose heads on the wall and stuff? Or Yes, and like <laughs> cotillions, whatever a cotillion is, I'm picturing a cotillion. But the entire appeal of these books is it's the lifestyles of the rich and famous element. Mm. Like yes, this is just, just machinations and conspicuous consumption. That's all there is to these books. I guess country club is a kind of, it varies. I am sort of thinking of, do you know in um, Arrested Development, where um, the the evil granny uh, can't afford her subscription to the country club and has to just pay for the pool membership. And so she's sitting outside the pool being really sad and eating sandwiches and being like, oh, I've fallen so low in the world. Like, <laughs> I think this is the kind of thing they're tapping into here, except uh, not for not for shits and giggles. <laughs> That's the thing. They expect us to sincerely care about the country club. Whereas like, country clubs <laughs> are a punchline. Yeah, I don't think they always are. That's the thing. I think we're we're used to them being a punchline. <laughs> we also don't live in a country where they're a thing. So Jessica has decided she wants to dance with the guest of honor himself, the richest young man in Sweet Valley. And you know, this calls for a crazy scheme. Meanwhile, Elizabeth <laughs> and Todd are looking at their classmate Regina Morrow and thinking that she's up to something. Regina mm-hmm. is shockingly both deaf and beautiful. Because apparently that's a contradiction in terms. Somebody mm-hmm. can't possibly be both of those things. But yeah. it's fine. She can lip read. Everyone has managed to forget that oh. she's deaf, but no one can forget that she's beautiful. It's not even that it's fine she can lip read. We should be extra proud of her because she had refused to be given special treatment because of her handicap. <sighs> Because that's how you do representation in 1984, people. Totally, totally. I know we we probably shouldn't be going like, oh, we're not in Stony Brook anymore. But can I just say that like people in Stony Brook at least go, we should make an effort to try and learn (laughs) how to communicate with the deaf guy. They might pat themselves on the back a lot, but at least they did. They they actually made the effort um, or, or it's not... So it's not presented to us that everybody should try to fucking like to, should try and pressure the person into lip reading. Um, whereas here they're like, God, it's so convenient for us. Yes. There was an explicit message in the babysitters mm-hmm. club that this was not a good thing to do. And it would be <laughs> yes. much better for the deaf girl's family to learn to sign so that they can communicate with their own daughter slash sister instead of forcing yes. her to learn to rip, lip read. And then it's just like, you know what though? This deaf person is one of the good kind. She's learned to lip read for your convenience. And it's just presented as praiseworthy and unproblematic and it sucks. I know. Okay. This book was published in 1984. Well, I have a 1985, but yeah, so it's, it's actually, it's a chunk earlier than that. Four or five years, like. I wonder if Anna Martin was like, 
yeah, no, responding this to this. Yeah, if that's a, I hope. I'd be really interested to. Like, I don't think Anna Martin would like this sort of thing. I think she would hate this. <laughs> she would fucking hate it. She'd hate it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she would have read this at all. I think she would think that this was trash. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure she would, but I mean, yeah. Um, it, if it was such a huge sensation at the time, if you mm. were writing, you know, serialized YA, you probably had to at least have read a couple of them just to know what was going on. The competition. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Regina's a very convenient deaf person. Her deafness in no way impacts on anything. Uh, it's fine. No one ever has to think about the fact that she's deaf. But also, she's real hot. And that's mm-hmm. important. That is also important. It is, in fact, a plot point. Well, yes. Also, everyone in these books is real hot. Unless they're being singled out for not being hot. You're hot until proven otherwise. <laughs> also, these books are completely appearance-obsessed. Like, and appearance-obsessed, not only in a, like, you know, a beautiful face way, but in a, like, your body must be the right shape and also your clothes must be the right ones. Oh, yes. yes. So like, much. It's exhausting reading this. The Wakefield Twins, right? I noted down perfect size six figures. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and also the matching gold lavaliers, which like, whoa, what? <laughs> what is lavalier? It's just a pendant. It's a neck chain with a pendant on it. That's all it is. <laughs> oh my God. They have gold necklaces. Wow. How unbelievably how unique. unique. Um, but also that they didn't, they don't explain it. So you have to go and look it up. Because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know the price... Yes, if you don't know what a lavalier is... <laughs> you can't afford one. Um, but also, I was... My, my comment on that was, they're both Regina George. Yes, um, yes. And then there's a Regina Morrow, which is confusing. <laughs> my comment every time their appearance was mentioned was basically, uh, 12-year-olds read this, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You said that in the chat several yeah, times. Several times. Like, yeah. I agreed with it when I got around to reading it. Oh my God. I was like, I read the first couple of chapters and then I was just like, I'm so tired. I cannot do this. I read, <laughs> I read two French history books from the 19th century during the week because I was procrastinating on reading this <laughs> fucking book and I do not speak French. <laughs> There's a Google hack, okay? Like, inbox me if you want to know how to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so eventually I read it. I was like, okay, it's it's bad, but it's not actually quite that exhausting. But it's so it's so tiring. Um, it's so just, tiring. That is yeah. some epic level avoidance behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is fabulous. <laughs> um, Elizabeth writes the gossip column in the school newspaper. That sounds like a very toxic thing to have in a school newspaper. I know, that is grotesquely unethical. I I just, I know they were, this is well, this is like 20 years before Mean Girls, but Mean Girls really also feels like a response to all, to a lot of this. Yeah, I um, think a lot of stuff, especially starting the late, mid to late 90s and into the noughties, a lot of the stuff, and, and I suppose the thing of the mainstream of ner- the mainstreaming of nerds, but I'm also thinking about shows like Popular, mm-hmm. yeah, were deconstructing reacting it. to stuff like this, deconstructing mm-hmm. stuff like this, which just unquestionably presented this like you know the cool kids and the nerds narrative. And there were the bad cool kids, but there were the good cool kids. And really, the good cool kids felt sorry for the nerds and the outsiders and the weirdos and the poor kids mm-hmm. and the disabled kids. Um, except the beautiful ones, they're okay. We can accept them. Um, and that, you know, and the best you could hope for if you weren't beautiful and somewhat wealthy was like pity. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that narrative really did flip. Um, yeah. 
but it really was not questioned for a long time. I feel like, so one of the formative texts of my childhood, notwithstanding the whole Babysitter's Club series, which is really very different in tone to this, but The Adams Family Values. Yes. Yes. Which, notwithstanding, yeah, there's a couple of problematic bits in it, but it is a, it is a violent, like, upsetting of the social order. Yes. Yes. Is just like, you could, you could just never take a Sweet Valley High book seriously again when, like, <laughs> when you've seen, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Alison being roasted on a spit by Wednesday yeah. Adams. Like, yeah, this sure. is, this is how it's supposed to go. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't actually have to put up with these people's shit. Yes. Um, if you're an Adams, but everybody wants to be an Adams, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We all do. Um, yeah, so I know I've talked, I've said previously that, like, my folks didn't let me read these. And, like, I think it was, basically they didn't buy them for me. Um, mm. Occasionally I would buy a Sweet Valley Twins book at, like, a um, a, a, a garage sale or whatever, and uh, that was fine. And then eventually they would disappear and I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever, because they weren't that great. There was one book that I had for a long time, and I can't remember which one it was, that stayed around. But generally, um, I don't want to give the impression that my parents were censoring what I read. Um <laughs> But reading this, I'm like, no, they actually were totally entitled to censor these because they're so fucking awful. Yeah, like, I would censor these. Uh-huh. <laughs> these are just bad. Like, not bad quality. They're they're morally bad. Yeah, yes. I'm not normally a huge fan of, of making that call on kids' behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, the amount of times my comments on this are horrified 12-year-olds read these. 12-year-olds read these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are not suitable for children. They're not. Like, they're really... No, they're they're not. They're full of bad messages. If you're going to let your kid read this, you actually need to sit down and talk to them about it afterwards. Like, about a yes. whole bunch of things. So many things. I, I know you don't want to show Sophia this, but I would love to get her take because I feel like she'd be like, what the fuck were you reading as a kid, ma'am? Like, <laughs> not yeah. these. I was reading Little House on the Prairie, which, look, they had their own issues, but... <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they're still less white supremacist than these books somehow. Very differently yes. problematic, I think. <laughs> yes. You see, I was always cool with the sort of problematic racism uh, you got. Problematic. No, just racist racism you got in the likes of Little House of the Prairie or uh, other old-fashioned stuff. Because I was just like, m- my thought as a nine-year-old was, well, they didn't know any better back then. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's full of racism. I can see that it is racist. I understand that it's racist. It is not presented as bad in the text because the Victorians were like that. But now we know better. Now we know better, I thought, in my innocence. But yeah, this was contemporary. There's no excuse for how shit this is. This is just shit. Yeah. And, and yet, let's face it, there isn't really any racism because everyone is white. Yeah, no, there's no opportunity for racism. That's not racist. I think they occasionally get some token like characters of color <laughs> later on but like yeah. obviously these these aryan beauties are the absolute ideal uh, the pinnacle absolutely. of what humanity can aspire to yeah i'm i'm torn because i would love to get my daughter's take on this but i also don't want to expose her to any yeah. of this you know what maybe maybe in a few years yeah when she's 15 i'll get her yeah. take on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's a great illustration of why diverse cultures are good because this is the most fucking toxic white bread society that you could imagine and yes, i was like yes. i just 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 get me out of this like this this stepford wives valley of the dolls whatever fucking is going on here i'm just yes i would be so creeped out it's to, just horrifying just look around the local mall and be like gosh 
where am I? (laughs) Yeah, if you found out all these people were androids, you wouldn't die of shock, is all. No, no. They feel like they're written by um, an alien culture that has (laughs) just watched a whole lot of episodes of like Like the bold and the beautiful. Yeah, and Dynasty. Dallas or bold, Uh, yeah. Except it'd be more Southern though, like, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So this is fair. Yeah, actually, that's a weird thing. This is set in California, I believe. Is it? Yes. I think Sweet Valley is in California. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't come into this book, but it, it's set in California, right? And yet, mm-hmm. like, the Patmans and the like, there's also this weird incongruous thing where they're somehow like old money and New their England house, types. Yeah, New England type. And their house like reads like, and, and, and their lifestyle and stuff reads like, you know, like the Lord of the Manor with a house in, that was built in 1600 in, in, in Yorkshire or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, not Yorkshire. Let's say Berkshire. Um, and not just for the rhyming slang reasons. And, um, that would be Berkshire Hunting. You can imagine what that rhymes with. Um, but like, well, like they all feel like they're trying to be people out of an Edith, Edith Wharton novel. Yeah, they're trying so hard. And like even the stuff like the enormous four poster bed in the middle of the room and a mahogany writing desk and stuff. And it's like, your house is like I'm thinking of Clueless and like the Collins date all the way back to 1972 yes. you know like stop it stop pretending it's it's okay they bought a New England town and had it um transferred to the whitest part of California that they could find yes. Brick by brick. Yes. Brick by brick. And that is where they live now. And uh, Elizabeth driving around it in her Fiat Spider, which I was very disappointed to learn is actually kind of a cute car and not actually that obnoxious. Um, She's driving around town going, oh my God, I feel I'm so lucky to live here. It's such a beautiful town. But isn't a Fiat Spider like a coupe and really not suitable as the family car? I think it's the girls' car, isn't it? It's, it, she says... It's the so mom's she, car? She uh, says okay. confusing things about how... so. Jessica just wants the car occasionally. Oh, she maybe doesn't have her license because Elizabeth seems to do the actual driving. But um Elizabeth's like, oh, I don't like to take the car too often. For it's it's random virtue signaling, which is not a yeah. term I use a lot, but Elizabeth is fucking virtue signaling she all is. the time. Yes. Constantly. Yes. Like, we just need to know that she's the good twin. Though quite frankly, if my twin was Jessica, I probably would be too. I'd be like, I'm not I'm the not evil, evil one, guys. I'm not her. I'm not my sister. My sister is a sociopath and I am not. Elizabeth is willfully ignorant of the fact. Yeah. Oh no, she really is, and she is actually willful. She is. She just. I willfully blind to the fact that are ignorant of yeah. the fact that Jessica is actually a sociopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she's not. She's not actively getting involved in these schemes, but she is not the good twin. She is not <laughs> preventing them, and she's the better twin. In a lesser of two evils kind of... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, unless you were actually murdering people, you're probably better than Jessica Wakefield. Exactly. Jessica Wakefield makes me feel great about my own shortcomings. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Right. So where were we? Because... Oh my God, we're in chapter two. (laughs) Roger is uncomfortable with his... Oh, the... The wrong forks story. Oh my god! The, the, and the and the massive dinner table with loads of space between them instead of putting everyone at one end, which is what you do. Is this a vampire movie? So when your nephew has just been orphaned a week ago, a literal week ago, and I can't emphasize this enough, what you definitely want to do is have important business clients over for dinner and tell your freshly orphaned nephew, who you've only really just met 
that everything is riding on his behavior and he has to behave appropriately and impress the business clients. Because mm-hmm. this is an appropriate way to handle all of these complex situations. They are trash beyond all the trashy, mm-hmm. awful people that we have met. The yes. are the fucking worst. Um, do you have a description of them? They're sentient garbage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> looks at Roger as if the boy were a stray dog at an animal shelter. And you know what? You know how I look at stray dogs at an animal shelter? Oh, it doesn't mean like that, that no. Yeah, With yeah. like affection and concern. Uh-huh. No, no, yeah. not that one. Not that look. The look that this man would give a stray dog at an animal shelter. I don't believe it has a good pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much. Um, the My one genuine laugh out of the book, like I would have actually laughed at, was towards the end where Roger says, I've heard their nickname is the bad and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, which is is appropriate to this pair. There's um, there seems to be like a tiny little toady husband and a really like large, long acrylic fingernailed wife. Yes, yes. that's the wife. Which is, uh, by the way, I'm not I'm not ragging on short people or on like families where they're like <laughs> divergence of heights. They're just they're just caricatures of people. <laughs> yes. They are. Um, and uh, yeah, they are. Um, they're especially judgy towards Roger, who is extremely embarrassed about the fact that there are too many forks and he doesn't know which one to use. Can I just do a PSA here? Just like, I feel like this is something you should teach people in schools, right? Mm-hmm. It would take 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you find yourself at a fancy banquet for whatever reason and there's more forks than you know what to do with, they may be trying to flex on you, but they're probably just like, look how fancy we are. There's a simple solution to it. You start on the outside and you work your way in. That's literally all it is. This is yep. generally a proxy for like, oh my God, class anxiety, right? Yes. Um, yep. And it's used very often in media um, to like, and I can see how it's confusing, but it's actually not, it's not meant to be that confusing because it's not like every fancy person in the world goes to 10 years of college to learn which is the correct fork. It's like you just start at the... Ex- yeah. They don't know which is the correct fork. They You just start on the outside and move in. Yeah. The person who has planned the meal has like been like, okay, yeah, we're going to need a fish fork and three other forks and just lay them out in the correct order. And like whoever... It's probably some really like well-schooled waiting staff that have designed the whole table layout like yes. and it's something to, to do with them. The Patmans did not set the table themselves. The Patmans have never set a table. They didn't and it's also really it's really bad manners to put your guests in a position where this is a problem for them, okay? Mm-hmm. Having having like yeah, having been to like mid-range hotel restaurants as the poshest thing of my life as a kid and then um unexpectedly marrying into Yacht Club. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just look and see what other people are doing and you do the same thing and it's fine. But like, almost, I, I almost suspect these people are not actually concerned with putting Roger at his ease. They, well, no. It's almost like they want to humiliate him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's bad. That's the bad etiquette here. It yes. really is. <laughs> it no, really is. It's the difference between etiquette and manners. That's yeah. it. Etiquette is following all of these rules and knowing which fork to use. Manners is not treating someone mm-hmm. like shit because they picked up the wrong fork. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Fergusons are terrible, terrible people. They refuse to shake hands with Roger. Um, and yeah. like that is just kick them out of the house because they won't shake hands with your your son, your freshly like, orphaned son. son. 
nephew. Yeah, his family. I'd also just like to say that um, the Patmans have a waiter called Reginald who <laughs> serves wine from a silver decanter. And this is unendingly funny to me. <laughs> They're so posh that their servant's called Reginald. The Patmans want to be old money more than anything. Yes. They, but they don't know what old money looks like. No, definitely <laughs> well, I not. mean, they've seen it in movies and they're trying real hard. <laughs> in Dracula I mean, movies. To be fair, I do think they're multi-generational wealthy, though, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but they don't have class. I, I will also point out that I have no money so I'm not actually sneering at new money here. If I were to become new money, I would be very happy. And well, I you would... wouldn't pretend to be old money. <laughs> I couldn't possibly get away with that. <laughs> Neither can they. I'd keep shopping in pennies. You wouldn't buy a town in Connecticut and transport, and transport it to, it to California brick like, by brick. Yeah, that, so you wouldn't like bother with, with that all that nonsense. Like, no, it's true. And, and like you, you also you can forgive people's pretensions when they're not being dicks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, if they were being eccentric, that'd be yeah. one thing. Yes. But if they're they just were, being assholes. Just being <laughs> welcoming and charming, but still had too many forks, I would be okay with that. Exactly. And Reginald. Be like, look, I'm just going to use the nearest fork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be fine. I'm sure Reginald is lovely, but... <laughs> he probably is, but how should I know? Staff don't have lines. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> also, I really like what passes for business talk. <laughs> I still can't believe you bought that stock when I told you to sell, Mr. Ferguson said to Mr. Patman, launching into a business conversation <laughs> which the author has no capability of continuing in any way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. And all I'm thinking of is, why was it in GameStop? <laughs> <laughs> oh... I, I create my comment at the time was beautifully written by someone who has never partaken in a business conversation and doesn't care who knows it. Uh, yep. But even so, you're able to spot. I I also believe that that is a totally fake conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sometimes people buy stocks and sometimes people sell them. I don't know. The teenagers who read this book won't know either, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Okay? I sh- I just think that's nice. Okay. <laughs> they were like, look, we'll put some of the words in the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and that will be all we need to do. Business, 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 business. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I mean, maybe the Fergusons are faking being important clients. <laughs> I also love the incredibly generic um, Mrs. Ferguson making conversation with Bruce Patman. She says, Mm -hmm. what about you, dear? Have you been involving yourself a little more in the art world these days? Which is, again, very normal conversation to make with a teenager. This is written by robots. Yes. (laughs) It's like, you know, in The Sims, when they're making conversation and little icons appear in yes. speech bubbles to show what topic they're talking She's about. She's just gone art question mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like easel question mark or whatever page yes. of yes. question mark. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, that makes so much sense Ooh, now. They're great, hey? <laughs> <laughs> art. <laughs> so yeah, um, it goes badly because uh, Roger gets flustered and he spills a glass of wine and a microscopic dress uh, drops microscopic drop of wine spills on Mrs. Ferguson who says it's positively ruined my dress because all wealthy dowagers must say things like that. <laughs> Aoife's making a rude gesture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gave the finger to... It needed to be narrated. Definitely. Yeah. My webcam because, yeah. Because, yeah. yes. Um, so he runs away, away from the Patmans and the Fergusons and the servants and the dozens of forks um, and is sad in his uh, wealthy bedroom which we've earlier been told it's full of leather-bound books that he's never heard of. 
uh, which mm-hmm. I guarantee the Patmans bought by the yard and have never read either. Oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah, nobody in that house. Mahogany no. desk is for a poster bed. Like, how do you welcome your new a new teenager to your family and make them really feel at home? Put them in a room with dozens of leather bound books. A mahogany desk. Boys love business furniture, right? A four, an imposing four-poster bed. It's also really not fancy house style anymore, or maybe ever. No, like, it, well, I mean, yeah, in like 1870. <laughs> yeah. So now that YouTube exists, um, I have seen quite a lot of videos of people's extremely fancy houses, and they do not fill them with like random leather-backed tomes that you bought in a charity shop by the yard. You like, sometimes do, but only if you want to look sort of like um quirky and old-fashioned and literary. Dark well, academia aesthetic. Everything dark academia, but everything is sort of more mismatched rugs. Okay. In that yeah. case, it's cosy as well. I can see... I don't think the Patman house is cosy. No. But I'm thinking in 1985, this is pretty spot on, though. This... This absolutely fits with my image of like people in the eighties pretending to be posh. Okay, does it? Because my image of people in the eighties pretending to be posh is more like Beetlejuice, like and the hideous remodeling <laughs> they do to the house, and like everything is like it's either like stark white, black, and red, or it's like just. But they're not pretending to be ugly. Cool. Oh, like it's they're true. not being they're cool, to be posh. modern New York loft type people. They're being mm. they're pretending mm. that they're preppies from Connecticut. What's a good, yeah, mm. we should, like, if any of our viewers are still listening, any of our listeners are still listening to this, you could, like, suggest what's a good cultural reference for rich people in the 80s in America. whether or not they yeah. would have, yeah, in America. Um, I mean, I think the thing is, like, if you were multi-generational rich in the UK, you would just have this stuff in your house because your great-great-great-grandparents bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Your house might well also be a bit smaller, though. Like, it would, yeah, almost true. definitely. You might have got rid of some of that stuff. If your um, servants might not be called Reginald. Well, you would have sold it all off in the 1940s when after <laughs> the point. war there was a massive tax on that sort of thing and help on <laughs> the NHS, but you know. Everybody left to get jobs and you didn't have any tenants to keep you fed anymore. So we then cut to the Wakefield's house. Yes, um, Jessica is doing exercises with her long shapely legs which is a very normal way to talk about teenagers excuse me she's doing jane fonda exercises to the tape in her walkman because it is the 80s and we cannot <laughs> forget that yeah like i would have put that in if i was trying to do a period piece set in the 80s i love it yeah but then then you would have edited it down you would have toned it down because that was just too many 80s references <laughs> <in the sentence>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes jessica is waving her long shapely legs around and says that she thinks roger's looking real sexy now that he's rich yeah basically <laughs> then she worries that her face is getting fatter uh because again 12 year olds read these books and they need to know what to worry about <sighs> and jessica is fantasizing about dancing with roger down at the country club um roger by the way, totally has a girlfriend already. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, this we is have just met. a minor obstacle that Jessica is going to steamroller over. So it's fine. I think Jessica is basically like, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Because I'm better than the girlfriend. Yeah, he has a girlfriend, but I want to go out with him. So I'm not sure what him having a girlfriend has to do with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not a real person. I'm the only real person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll just... I'll just I'll just destroy here. It's fine. So then Elizabeth's boyfriend Todd calls and says that he 
is still obsessed with whatever Regina, the hot deaf girl, is up to. Yeah. And that what they need to do is go stalk her. Yep. So Elizabeth is like, yeah, no, you're right. Um, Towards Todd's newfound obsession with Regina. And like, I'm not sure whether it is actually... I just don't know how to interpret the whole thing because to my mind, it doesn't feel like a wholesome... Thing, no, that Todd is really concerned with this girl all of a sudden, but I I don't want to interp- misinterpret his like uh, concern. I don't think he's into her, but I think he's just loving the drama. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's there like something is going on. I need to know what it is as opposed to in the babysitter's club. I would accept that. I would <laughs> yeah, accept it of Logan. I do not accept it of Todd. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I do not think that anybody's motives in this town are innocent. At all. Ever. I'm sorry. I've just been burned too many times by this book. I interpret it as concern, as concern trolling, but like. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steamroll your interpretation of the text. I mean, (laughs) we can agree to differ on it. It could be that. I don't think it's the, it's not my favorite interpretation. Yeah. But okay. I think it's a valid interpretation. <laughs> I th- I guess I'm I'm surprised that Elizabeth isn't suspicious about it. Like, I think the I th- thing is though she's so absolutely gorgeous and the peak of Aryan perfection that how could Todd be after anyone else? And I mean Regina has dark hair. Like, well, exactly. that's clearly a step down in the hierarchy. Of course. Given this book I honestly think, given how this book is and these people are, I honestly think if someone were to go out with her, there would be a great big fuss made about how good they were to date someone who's deaf. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm sure that would. Like, so, you know, Todd's going to stick with his non-disabled girlfriend. Why would he want to go out with her? Yeah. She's not, she she couldn't possibly be a threat. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. Are we friends with any Sweet Valley podcasts? Who are we alienating right now? <laughs> um, we have comedy beef with the Double Love podcast, but they also think oh. all these people are terrible, so it's fine. All oh, right, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> well, maybe they could, like, if they're listening to this, explain explain <laughs> what's wrong with all of these what's people. What's wrong with all of these people? Why are they yeah. like this? We're just a little bit contextless on it, so <laughs> we're contextless. And we're very afraid and upset. <laughs> this is a real trial. The group, the group. The group text was was hopping all week as we like. <laughs> this was a difficult week for us all. <laughs> yeah, we like we try not to put too much detail in the group text because you actually need to save some of it for the the the, the recording. But we were all we like, knew it ah! we knew it didn't matter with this book. <laughs> yeah, we're so upset. Yeah, can I also the bit where sorry Bruce takes girls to drive in movies, but that he never sees more than the first ten minutes of these of those. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, what's I believe Bruce Patman has sex yeah Bruce with Fox. women it's so impressive that they actually talk about sex in this or they they refer to it <laughs> they... it just doesn't happen in Stony Brook except among the adult swingers obviously. yes but this is <laughs> yes but they didn't in the middle grade novels this is high school this is the this yeah. is the equivalent of, the Sweet Valley Twins was the equivalent of the Babysitter's Club and there was no sex in those yeah these are like mm. 16, 17 yeah yeah so yeah it is you can't it is apples and oranges a bit to be fair um, yeah okay I mean I think also there's there's also a lot of like double standards going on because I'm sure Jessica and Elizabeth are like perfect virgins yes um, despite mm, possibly Jessica's yeah. best efforts but 
you know, Bruce Patman is going out with a different kind of girl. I think we can safely assume. I mean, I think this this book is any uh, the mentions of sex with that one that uh, that's kind of judgy. And the other mentions with, uh, around Regina later are also super judgy. Oh, so God. this book, these books will mention sex, but in a healthy way? <laughs> God, no. Does yeah. this book do anything in a healthy way? No. no. It's better to be having sex, frankly, than well, like, yes. doing whatever it is Jessica's doing. That's maybe true. she wouldn't be such a bitch. Like. <laughs> That's a point, actually. I think maybe if she just bought a vibrator and diverted her energies <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> Everyone would be a lot better off. I I know that I'm always like, oh, those kids are having sex. Um, that was terrible to say. Those teenagers are having sex. <laughs> um, but I do tend to assume that many teenagers would take the opportunity if it was afforded, and it is clearly available. Real life ones, yes, but like like whatever about the various side characters, and like obviously Bruce is getting it, but I, yeah, I, the Wakefields are not. I mean. I don't think Bruce is the kind of guy who, let's say a drive-in movie is 90 minutes long, who spends 80 minutes making love to a lady. So that's true. I actually, I think that one is probably a reference to making out or something. Yeah, I mean, something that he has the potential to sustain for 80 minutes, (laughs) which (laughs) I mean, I mean, that's a bit of a challenge. Also, that's a really, like, yeah, but assuming that it's, I'm assuming that there's some sex at some stage in there, and by sex I mean what this book will count as sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's a decent amount of foreplay that Bruce is providing, I guess. <laughs> maybe Bruce isn't quite the the monster that we all Yeah, maybe we've maligned him. <laughs> maybe he's an asshole, but he's really good in bed. I mean... That would a- a- explain some of his continued appeal to yes. all these girls if that was circulating as a, you know, <laughs> out underground rumor. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, he'll go down on you like a champ and he's really rich. <laughs> <laughs> could do worse. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. in this in this town, you sure could do worse. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 80 minutes is pretty good going. <laughs> I mean, I it's mean, not like he never sees more than the first 10 minutes. And then the last 70 minutes of it. <laughs> That is probably more accurate. <laughs> like, okay, do you want popcorn or something? I, <laughs> I love Michael J. Fox. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, where are we at? Oh, my um, God. Chapter oh, yeah, three. <laughs> chapter three. They're, they're planning to... <laughs> Jessica's Sorry. selling t-shirts to raise money for the cheerleaders. Uh, but her main priority has been getting a t-shirt that will make her look sexy. Because Jessica. Yes, mm-hmm. she's carefully designed it to show her tanned arms to their best advantage and blue-green paint to match her sparkling eyes. <sighs> sparkling. I miss Claudia Kishi so much. Claudia I know. would hand-paint a bunch of t-shirts and would never think about mm-hmm. whether they made her look sexy or sexy. not. Mm-hmm. Also, Alice Wakefield was sometimes mistaken for the twins' older sister. Oh, yes. I, I just responded to that with a string of vomiting emoji. Kind of incesty. Also, their dad's real hot. Mm-hmm. He's got wavy dark hair, broad shoulders, and rugged good looks. And their their brother looks just like him, only yep. younger. They're all very sexy. All of these people. I hate this. The men in the family are on one template and the women are on the other one. It's yeah. that really annoying thing that like Disney movies do, yes. Yeah. Were they trying to sell 
dolls. No. <laughs> it just feels like there is a merchandise no. tie-in to this. Yeah, they no, have possibly a run vibe. by Mattel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. They're just trying to sell you this image of America. Good luck. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so yeah, Jessica is getting a lift to school with some guy called Neil, who is her, like, patsy that she strings along and, like, uses for company when she can't get someone else. Yes. Good at sports, easy to get along with, and the proud owner of a brand new sports car, Neil, was very much in demand. Between boyfriends, Jessica didn't mind spending time with Neil, especially now that he had a car. He's okay until something better comes along, was how Jessica described Neil to her best friend, Cara Walker. Normal and healthy ways to talk about human beings. Awesome. Love it. Like Jessica is actually doing that thing that incels say women do. Yes. Oh my god. When in fact, it's mostly just Jessica Wakefield. Incels were reading. Jessica is responsible for all of this. Yeah, no. are just based on, like, they're basing everything on Jessica Wakefield. They think Sweet Valley is real. This is all Jessica's fault. Yeah. I'm happy to blame her. Why can't I be Bruce Patman? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. A few millimetres of bone. Like, it's all that stands between... The incel and being Bruce Patman and millions of dollars. Yes. And also at giving great head, apparently. (laughs) Lads, take note if you're an incel and you're listening to this, what are you doing here? But if you... (laughs) Get thee to the drive-in. Get thee to the drive-in and like just, just... There are plenty of online guides, I'm sure. Yes. Just just knuckle down, do what you gotta do. (laughs) This is not bad advice under any circumstances. Like, True. <laughs> if you're an incel, improving your oral sex technique, it's not going to hurt, okay? I'm just saying. Indeed. Um, so, <laughs> where, where were we? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> my dad listens to this. <laughs> Neil Fremont, Jessica's going to school. Elizabeth is giving um, Roger's girlfriend, Olivia, a ride to school. Um, Olivia is basically... Dawn. She dresses like a hippie. She is an individual, which means she is not a complete terrifying preppy clone. Speaking as the podcast's resident Jew, I'm not sure if she's meant to be Jewish or not because she has frizzy dark hair and her surname is Davidson, which like I ordinarily would take to mean that she's Jewish, but I'm not sure the authors of these books have heard of Jews. So I don't know. I think if she was intended to be Jewish... They would subtly let us know in the same way they did about Regina being deaf. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yes. I, I I just I don't know if it's meant to be a sort of coding of like she's vaguely she's vaguely just not quite one of us, you know? Mm-hmm. She she wouldn't fit in down the country club, if you know what I mean. I mean it's actually more subtle than I would give these books credit for. That's a point. I really wouldn't think it'd be like Goldstein. Olivia Jewenstein. (laughs) Exactly. Like, she would be a punch caricature. (laughs) You know, she wouldn't be a girl with curly brown hair. She runs the moneylender's office. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I really don't think it's intentional. Um, But I do think that perhaps the author has picked up on some 
overall on some on some signal on some uh this is what an undesirable looks like exactly yeah she doesn't know that that's associated with people being jewish yeah no (laughs) no i i think that's actually likely what's going on here she's like what do those sort of like not exactly one of the cool kids sort of slightly nerdy quirky what what do they look like weirdos what do they look like (laughs) what do weirdos look like brown curly hair and popular culture provides her with this oddly jewish seeming person (laughs) yeah Uh, it could be right weird i'm just reaching for even the most problematic of representation here yeah i mean mean, yeah yeah. take what you can get there i guess um i mean olivia is one of the non-shitty people in this so yeah she's Mm -hmm. like non-trash uh i hope she leaves town eventually i think she's gonna leave town this does not seem like doesn't seem like her scene (laughs) she's she's got bigger fish to fry she just doesn't realize it yet she seems like a decent and reasonable person so i also i feel like she's not really dawn because dawn's fist would have connected with jessica's skull proceedings it's fair um, that it's it's mainly just that she dresses a bit like dawn she dresses yeah. like a hippie and everyone yes says, this is the fucking weirdest thing that they have ever seen and they just <laughs> cannot believe that she wears like sandals and an Indian cotton wrap skirt like some sort of fucking feral monster with a v-neck t-shirt how wild I know I know it's so absolutely crazy. just outrageous like these people would die if they ever met Claudia Kishi um, they would they would just just literally die on the spot yeah I'm picturing Ty actually from Clueless <laughs> I think she's the closest correlate like seriously yeah. um, I mean the fashion is different but yeah she's mm-hmm. yeah She's just wearing normal clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've worked out, like, there are so many things in Clueless that I internalized quite strongly as a kid. So one of them was girls can't wear baggy t-shirts. Huh. Because I knew girls could wear baggy combats, but they had to wear a tight t-shirt with them. Uh, Ty wore a baggy t-shirt and that was her mistake. Girls can't wear plaid shirts and baggy t-shirts. The other one was learning to drive is terrifying. <laughs> yes. Well, it is. The, the good one was that it's perfectly normal to decide you don't want to have sex. That was good. And the kind of the worst one was, if you think you're not straight, everyone else might have figured this out about you, but you do not ever actually tell anybody out loud. Oh, no. Man. You just wait for them to pick up on your cues. They'll just figure it out somehow and you just don't tell anyone even if everyone already knows you can't say it out loud because no. it is shameful no, in no. some way <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean it is a 19th century story with a very specific 20th century narrative grafted awkwardly onto it in ways that <laughs> I fucking love Clueless don't get me wrong I, I fucking love Clueless too and it like it does a much better job of like it, it has all these random, extremely privileged people, but they at least fucking have personalities. If we're going to be looking at rich blondes... In Clueless, we are laughing at these people's over-the-top... Foibles? ...wealthy lifestyles and foibles. In this, it is absolutely presented as aspirational. Yes. No, in Clueless, the the narrative knows the characters are a bit silly. Yes. No. And they, they all, like, kind of accommodate to each other and are generally they fight but then they make up and admit to having been dicks at times yes um kind of like normal people that way the interpersonal (laughs) relationships in clueless are pretty normal the wealthy lifestyles are there as 
comedy fodder. Yes, exactly. That's what Jane Austen was doing as well. I know. (laughs) That's why it works so well. Clueless is Emma, by the way. It's Jane Austen's novel, Emma. Certain elements of it don't mesh that well. Which is why the whole photograph thing seems so weird when you're watching Clueless, because it's, yeah. yeah. it's, it's a that painting doesn't work at all. Yeah. in the book. Yeah. It works so much better. Yeah, no, and I'm of the age where, in fact, what happened was, as a slightly older teen, I read Emma and went, oh my god, this is Clueless. <laughs> I feel like, to be honest, though, the... The amount of people who would listen to this podcast and not know that Clueless was Emma yeah. has got to be about zero. Also, sorry. Also, um, she was wearing a simple necklace made of raw hide and beads and long silver earrings that made her look like a Mexican princess. And I just Cultural have, appropriation. have that tagged us, but she's not actually Mexican because the book would have had to make sure to have people be racist to her about it if she was. God, absolutely. No. Yep. She, mm-hmm. she, she, she just looks a- like the good aspect of a Mexican princess, i.e. fashion. And, you know, none of that awkward Mexicanness there. I mean, if she was Mexican, it would point out that she was Mexican, but it's okay because she was beautiful. Of course, exactly. They forgave her because of her extraordinary beauty. No one minded her being Mexican because she was really good looking. <laughs> yeah. Just like Regina being deaf. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So Elizabeth and Todd are in their red convertible, which is such a good car to use for surveillance. Following <laughs> Regina's <to death. laughs> Well, it's better than the beige Lamborghini, okay? <laughs> it was true. a beige Ferrari, which is really worse because Ferraris are red. There's a shade of red named after Ferraris. It's Ferrari red. Yeah, beige Ferrari is a Ferrari where something has gone wrong. A Ferrari where somebody has just taken a pot of matte house paint and just, like, painted it. it down. so yes they they follow regina downtown and she goes to the business district where she meets a handsome man um in his late 30s and they go into a glamorous office building and then they also meet lila fowler who's downtown for a dentist appointment or some shit and she's also seen regina um and she wiggles her eyebrows insinuatingly basically yeah so we are informed that Lila is not going to let this go and is going to have a whole thing about, ooh, um, Regina is seeing an older man. Oh, they also spot Roger, who is over in front of the sports shop. And <laughs> yes. I was all ready to make fun of the sports shop for being called the sports shop. And then I realized that like in the little town where I went to school, there was absolutely a sports shop called the sports shop. <laughs> so I I can't. I listed all the shop names. Do you guys want to hear them? Yes! So I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And now that I've realised they just bought a town in Connecticut and removed <laughs> it. And it's like when Windows is like, um, you're moving this file without its properties. Do you want to do that? Um, I'm like, it, they just moved everything without the context and none of it makes sense anymore. And yeah. they were just like, yeah, just move the fucking town. Okay. So this, this the shops that we have in this town are the sports shop. The Boston shop, which is where Jessica for a while bought some of her stuff until she decided she didn't like Bruce Patman anymore or some shit in a previous <laughs> book. Um, the tennis shop, which is not to be confused with the sports shop, right? Okay. They're different <laughs> shops. Okay. The designer shop. <laughs> and last but not least, Foxy Mama. <laughs> Which is definitely also something a shop would be called. <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. Okay, Francine Pascal cannot name shops to save her life and she knows it. For the most part, she avoids naming them. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> 
get someone else to help you, Francine. Or it's not that hard. Plagiarize some other shop's name. Get the yellow pages out. It sounds like when you're learning a language in school and you have to ask for directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, excuse me, ue le sports shop. And they have to tell you this. Become a zum sports shop. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It really is. <laughs> um, I just, I kind of love the idea that the sports shop and the tennis shop owners are like mortal enemies. Oh, totally. <laughs> they hate each other. Also, the Boston shop really fits with our theory that this town was stolen from New England. I do think that the tennis shop owner thinks he's a cut above the sports shop owner because mm. poor people can sometimes buy runners. That's true. But poor people don't That's buy true. tennis gear. Yeah. Also, so I was thinking, oh, is this me just not really getting the US again, as I have on many occasions? it before but like isn't the word store slightly more common are they going for something specific with shop good question are they used equally frequently is it regional what's the story shouldn't they shouldn't it like oh the tennis shop yeah that's a really good point (laughs) yeah listeners is there is there some kind of like subtext to this that we're not picking up on please hit us up on the social (laughs) because my understanding has always been (laughs) I hate you asking. My understanding has always been that, like, shop mostly meant, like, garage where your car gets fixed or other kind of workshop. And store meant a shop where you buy things in America. So maybe shop was meant to be fancy because it's European? Maybe. That is a definite possibility. Oh my they don't God. have any stores in this town. They just I would shops. definitely, definitely <laughs> very much like to hear back. No, we absolutely would. Like, no, no, you don't understand. I desperately want you to tell me what the story is with this, please. Yes. It would be really hard to Google this. Yes. And I want to know. Mm-hmm. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> if so- you saw her face right now, guys, please give, it, give <laughs> us some social linguistic analysis. So Mr. Patman has taken Roger in for like, to continue his makeover into a, a handsome young youth about town by buying him some... <laughs> he says it's high time they got him some decent running clothes. Can I just say again, his mother's been dead a week. A week. The other thing about this entire... It's actually the thing that annoys me most about the entire book, believe it or not, and it's just because it's bad writing. Uh, there's two things in the book that just stood out to me as, why did you say that? The first is at the end of the previous chapter when Elizabeth uh, drops Olivia to school. They finish their conversation and then the chapter goes on for one more paragraph. And says that Elizabeth parks the car and they go into the school with five minutes before homeroom. And it didn't need to say that. We would assume that that was what had happened. It's okay. They had a word count to me. It's not a penny aligner, okay? Chill. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing was in this when it says that it was hard to believe that now with the help of the plastic credit card his uncle had given him. What the fuck are credit cards normally made of? Why would you say that? Maybe anyway. plastic. Maybe credit cards are so alien to Roger that he notices everything about it, including the fact wow. that it's made of plastic. It's like you've given me a plastic. One of these. So you've given me a plastic card. rectangle. What does it do? <laughs> <laughs> what is Magic. this for, Uncle? I also just love. Let's start with a really good pair of shoes and then a few pairs of nylon shorts. Yes. Ooh, nylon. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And specifically, he's called out later on. It's like, Roger was wearing his nylon shorts. And I'm like, ooh, classy. <laughs> and if any forces are going to be those tiny little puffy ones. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just remembering what my dad wore to run the marathon in 1984. Like, 
That was this. It's what we're exactly. Ah, oh, fair play to your dad. <laughs> he's, he's dressed like a sports dad, and like this, this is his like pretty woman scene where his uncle is buying him everything a boy could desire. Yeah, all the nylon shorts you want. It's so sad. The uncle means well, and the only way he knows to yeah try and for one just show affection to his nephew, yeah. and for the other one try and help him assimilate into yeah. this unforgiving environment that he has been introduced into is just to buy him a ton of shit <clears throat> and roger's like okay i i i i don't understand but i feel the love and i'm surrounded by packages so i'm briefly happy yes. <laughs> the uncle is genuinely he seems okay i think he just is either way too used to the bullshit that goes on around him oh, or yeah. like um doesn't realize that he could call his wife on her bullshit yeah the uncle's approach is definitely I will give you all the tools you need to survive in yeah. this world. And this world is shit. I definitely can't emotionally nurture you because no one ever nurtured me. But, you know, enjoy the shorts. But I can buy you a whole ton of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's trying. He's doing his best. Like, this is the only way he knows to show love. God, do you know what Roger needs in his life, though? Roger um, needs, like, a sit down with Watson Brewer. Watson he, Brewer just oh. needs to, like... Yes! Ooh, you know, would, reach out like, to him and be like a, a bigger brother. Watson Brewer would care a lot about that boy. Watson would Brewer want him to be okay. Watson Brewer would adopt him. Watson Brewer would, would like, yeah, he would ensure that his emotional needs were met and also get him some like nicer nylon shorts. It'd be fine. Okay, what happens is Roger, at the end of this book, transfers to Stony Brook High School. He makes friends with Sam and Charlie and he comes around to eat the, at the brewers oh. like at least once a week and like has people yeah. near him who care about him. Watson just quietly mentors him and sets a good example <laughs> and is always there for him without making him feel, you know self-conscious or on the spot oh. we need this fan fiction someone please write this wholesome fan fiction <laughs> yeah like yeah Watson would be like oh hey Raj yeah I've just decided to take up running I'm going to be running on this and he's like you know two kilometers later he's like I'm dying you just go on ahead without me and Roger's like oh I'm so embarrassed but it's really nice <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and that is exactly what, what Watson would do because he's a dork <laughs> And like, oh, he comes out every day for like six weeks. And Roger's like, I understand what you're doing. You're killing yourself. Please stop doing this. <laughs> stop. I will. We can, we can, we can have these conversations while sitting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will do that for you, Watson. Don't yeah, die, just... Mr. Brewer. <laughs> Christy has a word with him. <laughs> I actually feel like deeply soothed and comforted by this scenario we've completely just made up. There we are. Now we can, we can think about this when we're finished our ranty read through of this book. Oh my God, it's quarter past 11. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going. I warned Rick when I sent him out to that shed. I warned him it was going to be a long one. It's going to be a late night. No, I genuinely did have a nap this afternoon because I knew I was going to need like all my energy for this. I don't nap, but I wish I did. So, so okay, Jessica's at Foxy Mama's buying sexy black swimsuits. She's buying a sleek black mayo. 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 I didn't do French it's just French school. for a swimsuit. It just means a one-piece swimsuit. I yeah. was so betrayed by that. Oh my God, she usually prefers bikinis, thinking it was a shame to conceal her trim, tanned abdomen. Highlighted with 12-year-olds read this. Yeah. So relatable. Such healthy and accessible things. Yeah. I'm so attractive, it's a shame to cover up. It's it's not common no. to feel that way. Because most 12-year-olds, despite looking amazing, you know, in terms of how they will feel about themselves and body image later on in life, are quite insecure. Yes. Yeah. This is 
No, nobody feels this way. And and Jessica's meant to be like 16, and most 16-year-olds don't feel like that about their body either. Yes. Yeah, well, most 16-year-olds don't look like Jessica Wakefield, so they should feel bad about that. They should. They should. This is aspirational. I hate this book. Also, the use of the term abdomen is making me picture her as some kind of bug woman. Like, <laughs> that, no, is that is a much, Thank you. No human teen is like, God, I have such a good abdomen. Like, my thorax is really popping today. I think, I think these days it would just say abs. Yeah. Which mm. would be fine, but like, abdomen like suggests there's mandibles and a carapace <laughs> i mean frankly i think jessica probably does have fucking mandibles <laughs> oh jessica your mandibles are so gorgeous shut up neil just take me to the dance okay <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so jessica is um yes yeah, she's she's just brushing her thick sun-streaked blonde hair until it's shone yeah Distribute that grease evenly, Jessica. <laughs> She's dressed like a Republican, basically, and Elizabeth is a bit brave because the last time she did this was when she was in love with Bruce Patman and was shopping at the Boston shop. You have to explain, dress like a Republican. <laughs> She's just wearing like crisp white tennis shorts and a polo, <laughs> a turquoise polo shirt. Elizabeth describes as dressing conservatively. So like, she's going to a Republican fundraiser. Because basically, dress like a Republican. Makes me think of Marjorie Taylor Greene holding too many guns. Okay, I can't. Okay, she's dressed like a Reagan era Republican. Thank you, that's better. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, then Jessica is talking about the fact that she's heard Regina is seeing a mysterious oh. older man. And hmm. she. What's wrong with older men? Unless. Unless. Yes, Jessica says, if he's really as old as everyone says he is, Regina could be getting herself into real trouble. You know how it is with older men. And you think for a moment, maybe she's concerned that Regina's being groomed by some kind of predator. But no. Liz, I couldn't care less who Regina Morrow goes out with. I'm just a little worried about her reputation, that's all. That's right, girls. If you get preyed on by an older middle-aged man, people will think you're a slut. And that is the other message of this book. And the, it's very important that people don't think you're a slut. That's the most important thing. Francine Pascal is wasting all her good villain lines <laughs> on somebody who is in a very nebulous position between protagonist and antagonist, but is really, like, we know she's evil, but also you really put her front and centre. Yep. Yep. Um, and yep. you keep talking about how, like, gorgeous she is and stuff in a way that like, we understand you can have a sexy villain, but you're not doing it that way. No. Um, so, what you doing, Francine? <laughs> what you... These... What's, what's this? What, this what is, is this? all just so aspirational. Yeah. Including Jessica Wakefield's sociopathic behaviour. Yeah. Don't you want to be like these girls? Don't you want to have a beautiful, glistening abdomen and slut-shame your vulnerable friends? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, why would Lila want to spread the vicious rumours about Regina? Vicious rumour. Yeah. Vicious rumour. Again, this is like, I have several things in this paragraph highlighted with like 12 year olds read this. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they vicious? Oh my God, if they're having sex, she's a victim. It's yeah. like a comment, like. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, that's it. And like. A 16 year old is being groomed by a man in his 30s. What a slut. 
I genuinely wish Anna Martin had shifted the Babysitter's Club forward a couple of years so that we could actually see her take on some of these things. Mm. Yes. Like, like 16 year old Babysitter's Club actually having to look at, you know, sex in any form. Yeah. But yeah. especially, yeah, somebody, um, potentially, as it turns out, she's not actually being groomed. No. By the guy. And she does take pains to show, like, no, it was fine. But yeah. The fact that everybody interprets it as, um, that she is a, victim of an older sexual predator and that that's her fault. Yes. Well, in fact, they don't interpret it that she's a victim of an older sexual predator at all. They're like, ah, she's dating a hot older guy, the slut. I mean, they think, yeah, they describe exactly. it as getting into trouble and that like, you know, older men can be kind of pushy that way and stuff that like she yeah. might be getting pushed okay, into some no. sex stuff, but they don't quite make the leap to and that would be a bad thing to happen to her they're just like god well i guess she's a whore yeah Woo. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they get like 90 percent of the way to realizing something bad might be going on and then they're like yeah sucks to be her i guess yeah she's a terrible person yeah yeah um anyway the mm. next paragraph i just the line is caught my eye which is the barbecue was being held out by the patman's olympic sized swimming pool <laughs> that's very big that's too big when did this country get an olympic sized swimming pool in the boom like 2000 and... It was later than we thought because um, they put they put one in and then it didn't meet the criteria because they hadn't taken into account the width of the tiles. <laughs> so it was actually, the, they had to put in, there was another pool put in. So it was, yeah, it was really, really late. But an Olympic-sized swimming pool is fucking ridiculously huge. It was the noughties. Ireland got an Olympic-sized pool in the noughties. At the time this book was written, there was not an Olympic-sized swimming pool in my entire country. But this family has one in their garden. That's too big for a It's too big. You don't have an Olympic-sized pool in your garden. Francine Pascal doesn't know what size an Olympic-sized pool is at the end. You're... you're (laughs) You're trying to have a pool party and there are people on the far side. You need a lifeguard. Yeah, like you you could not be heard over the other side of the pool. <laughs> like when you wanted to call everyone for dinner, you could not get a megaphone. <laughs> and it's got lanes in it. You, what you want is a little like roundy swimming pool or these days, I suppose, like a small rectangular swimming pool, but one that you can at least see the faces of the people on the other side. Like yes. I'm willing to accept something about the size of the Port Marnock Sports and Leisure Club. <laughs> I don't know how big that is, no. I gotta say. I'm not really sure either. It was definitely not Olympic. It's 25 metres long. Okay. I do have a very childishly hilarious story about the giant Olympic swimming pool, which mm-hmm. is that they, the gym, because this was not a private, like, someone's house swimming pool this was in like a very overpriced gym and sports club but they proudly put a big sign outside saying ireland's first 50 meter pool but then the l fell off very quickly afterwards (laughs) so for years they had a sign saying ireland's first 50 meter pool and then they put the l on and then i think it got stolen shortly afterwards did the proximity of our secondary school have something to do with the missing L? You couldn't rule that out. So by the <laughs> ridiculously oversized pool, um, everyone is sh- schmoozing. Um, Jessica is trying to suck up to Mrs. Patman. 
Uh, Mrs. Patman oh is wearing pink satin lounging pajamas. I have that noted as well. What the, what fuck? the fuck is that? It's also, my thing that I really have noted is, her long silky black hair looks a little too perfect to be her natural colour, to which I have said, no please, how does that work? Women aren't allowed to have nice hair, or grey hair, or dye their hair. I hate this so much. Yeah, if she'd left her hair to go do- to go grey, they'd be ripping the piss out of her for that. Yeah. So, And like, black hair is black. Yeah. It's black. There isn't very many shades of it. It's like there are shades of blonde that you'd be like... No, no. I mean, the thing is, I know enough goths that like... Yeah. Yeah. You can tell when you're like, well, that's not your natural hair colour black. It is a Mm -hmm. dark, dark blue black. It is Evanescence music video black. True. Yeah, but that's a whole look. Well, that's a whole look. And also like, you know, I mean... yeah. You're allowed to dye your hair if you're... A, you're allowed to dye your hair. If, if you're anybody. I think the honest. implication is that women should do what Roger's mother had the decency to do and like die when they hit menopause because either trying to look young is bad and also admitting you look old is bad. So her mistake is being seen in public. You should just be like Alice Wakefield. And just look and like a teenager. Slim, jot blonde and petite and look like your daughter's older sister. And if you can't do that... Forever. You failed. Yeah, exactly. And you should just die and not embarrass everyone. Exactly. It's easy to be a woman. It's awkward because Mrs. Patman is so terrible. Yeah. Um, and, but she's this, she is the evil stepmother. Yes, literally. Yes. Um, and she's frequently put in these situations where she's concealing or she's obviously concealing her age yeah she's putting on moisturizer while she's being mean to roger like literally just where is the bath of virgin's blood come on (laughs) i know and it's like it's like like, she dyes her hair and she moisturizes and this is presented as evidence by the text as evidence of her villainy yeah like no her personality is evidence of her villainy like we don't yeah, need more evidence. She's already awful. It's yeah. fine. I believe that Alice Wakefield uses moisturizer. It's fine. <laughs> like, unpleasant people can have skincare regimes. <laughs> as well as pleasant people. This isn't evidence of anything. Chill. And dyeing your hair also is so commonplace. Yes. It is just such a standard thing. And again, yeah. if she didn't, they would be mocking her for having grey hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're all at the party um, and Jessica starts sucking up to um, Mrs. Patman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bruce has got a bunch of college girls over to perv on him, which is, again, troubling and nobody seems to find it troubling. And he's wearing a tiny bathing suit. Yes. <laughs> um, nobody thought of that as admirable at any stage in my lifespan. No, they're all laughing at him for it. But yeah. everyone here is laughing at him for that. So that's fine. So Olivia's upset because she turned up early. Um, because Roger said if she came early, he would like, they could hang out and he could give her the tour and stuff. But Mrs. Patman answered the door and she, I think, thought Olivia was like the help or something. Yes. Um, so Olivia's feeling pretty insecure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica has swooped in and is like collecting dirty glasses and stuff to try and impress <laughs> Mrs. Patman. Yeah. Which I don't think she really knows what would impress Mrs. Patman because no. I'm pretty sure, like, again, physical labor is bad with these people. Yeah. But whatever. I've literally got, don't carry too many trays of glasses or they'll mistake you for the help, they Jessica. Will. 
Like, yep. what? She, yes, although she's very resentful. Uh, her face is stiff from smiling and the tray was like a lead weight in her arms. I sure hope Mrs. Patman appreciates this, she thought, or I've wasted all this effort for nothing. Oh, she is. Because definitely the way to a man's heart is through his aunt. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think Jessica is actually extremely fucking astute here. Well, yeah, I mean, it works. Mrs. Patman takes her aside for lemonade um, and they sit in, they sit aside in the breakfast room to refresh themselves. Uh, They talk about how Roger does running, which is not good enough because it's not social enough. You can't. It's, it's for plebs. You can't wheel and deal while you run. So he should play tennis instead. And Jessica's like, well, I love tennis. You can't wheel and deal while you play tennis. You're too busy going, ooh. As you hit the ball. Uh, tennis does actually require athleticism. I thought it was golf that you did wheeling and dealing. Yeah, golf is... I guess, though, if you do tennis, you do play it with other people and you're at a club and you have a chat before and after the game. Yeah, and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Whereas running, you're just on your own, putting one foot in front of the other. Poor people can do it. Exactly. Quite, quite well in front of the front of the other going... <sighs> <sighs> Why do I do this? Aoife <laughs> is the runner in the group, by the way. I'm bad. I'm bad at it. <laughs> I'm but bad you actually at it. do it. Sometimes I do. I don't know why. I do know why. It's so I can get like better at running away from monsters at LARP. <laughs> hey, one time I monstered as someone's pet alligator and I got to do loads of running around and like I played fetch and stuff, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't been doing a lot of running. Okay, that is amazing. But me and Karen are bad at all sports, including running. Yes, that's fair. This is true. I, I absolutely concur. All right. So Jessica um, and Mrs. Patman are, are machinating. Uh, they decide that Olivia is too shy and not really suitable for Roger's new station in life. And they both decide that Jessica would be a much better match, uh, which Jessica, unsurprisingly, is totally on board with. So Mrs. Patman basically gives her the assignment of like bagging him for the country club party. Because Mrs. Mrs. Patterson is basically Jessica in 20 years' time. Yes. Exactly. I was thinking that as well. Yeah, it's like, like meets like, and they just recognise each other. And yeah. all they know how to do is perpetuate. <laughs> exactly. Phone. They decide to perpetuate some cycles of abuse. And <laughs> Yep. <laughs> they agree yes. that this is what they're going to do. Yes. They're just going to... Yeah. And Jessica's oh. only delighted. Mm-hmm. Then, meanwhile, over at the pool, uh, Lila Fowler is giving Regina a hard time about uh, being groomed by a middle-aged man um, and complains to Regina that, like, it's so mean that she hasn't introduced them all to her sexy older boyfriend. Uh, You're not ashamed of us, are you? Or of yourself, Lila's expression said clearly. Again, what the fuck is wrong with any and all of these people? And Elizabeth is very sad because everyone's going to think badly of Regina and mm-hmm. that's really bad and definitely can't be avoided by everyone just minding their own business. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Olivia escorts uh, Jessica escorts Olivia to the buffet and encourages her to like commit minor faux pas and like... Like, oh, you know, get your dessert as well as your main course while you're up here and then no one else has done that. So, see, this is, this sort of thing made me terrified of getting older <laughs> when I was a kid because like yeah in case people gave a shit about this stuff how are you meant to know though actually kind of teenagers are super judgy about really minor things that's true um, at a certain age but not really by the time you get to 16 most people are over it these people are really immature yeah the solution is to hang out with people who aren't garbage yeah it is <laughs> 
though. In your yeah, you you get very sensitive about this stuff in case it's a social faux pas. But then every time you see somebody else violate these rules, you're like, ah, maybe it's okay. <laughs> you add it to the list of things. I was like that about everything except the cut of people's clo- trousers as a teenager. Yeah, no, they had to be ginormous, and that's just because it was the the early 2000s. They had to be flared, and if they weren't, you were wrong. And I used to be like, because I didn't have, I, I was slow to get onto the flare wagon, even though I wanted them, because I just, I don't know, I didn't know how to buy clothes, or I was afraid to ask for them, or some weird stuff. But I would still look at other people who didn't have flared trousers and be like, oh my god, there, do they know? <laughs> do they know that they're doing trousers wrong? Like, at least I know I'm doing trousers wrong. Do they know? Maybe they don't know. God, I feel sorry for them. It's so freeing to be able to do trousers wrong. God, I wish that I had thought a bit more about the fact that Claudia Kishi would do trousers the way she, she would, wanted to yeah. do. I own mom jeans and bootcut jeans and skinny jeans. And I just wear whichever one I feel like that day. <laughs> God, it's amazing to not be a teenager. I roll up my uh, like mom jeans, you know, like you're supposed to these days to be cool. If I've got interesting socks on. I don't even know who you are, Aoife. <laughs> I'm a jeans wearer. Yeah, that seems And that great. is what I have always been. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Um, Olivia's persuaded to do buffet wrong, and then she's persuaded to jump in the pool wrong. And yeah, she, belly she does a belly flop. It sounds yeah. really painful. Like, I don't know what the fuck. I, I get peer pressure. Like, I get it. You know, I was the awkward kid. But at the same time, if you know you are incapable of diving, why would you go on the diving board? No one even tried to, like, beyond a very gentle, oh, come on, it's fun. No one even pressured her into this. She could have just got into the pool and not used yeah. the diving board and no one would have been in a position to say anything to because her. Because conformity is mandatory in Sweet Valley. So if anyone is diving, she has to dive. Uh, Jessica is really manipulating her hard at this point as well. Yeah. Like, so this is a situation in which I feel that the paralysis we all occasionally feel where you just were like, no, I'm just going to curl up over in the corner and hope nobody looks at me. That would have served her better in this case yes, than yeah. doing the thing that Jessica told her to do because Jessica is actively trying to destroy her. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is generally not what teenagers are actually doing to each other. Occasionally, Ooh. I guess it is. This is unusually bad. Yeah, it's what you're afraid is what's going on, but it's not usually what's going on. Yeah. Jessica is just the worst case scenario of a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot going on at this party. So meanwhile, Elizabeth and Todd and Enid, who only appears in this, I know she's around in other books. She's she's um Elizabeth's BFF, apparently, are talking about how they feel bad for Regina and how um uh Enid says, I'm not sure I understand why Lila would want to make trouble for Regina. Like you are the yeah. Esther already said this, you are the person that stands by, like, while evil is done. Uh, this is the, um, the paradox of tolerance. <laughs> you people keep fucking putting up with this, yes. and that's why it keeps happening. Um, and they're all like, yeah, this is terrible, and we should, um, we should intervene. And then they sit around and don't intervene. Yeah. And it's also like, you know what you might do? You might just be like, say things when people say these things about her such as well if she is being groomed by a middle-aged man then Mm -hmm. that is not her fault or yeah so what if she's had sex yeah perhaps like yeah i mean 
it's this culture of slut shaming is the problem, not what any individual girl has been getting up to. Yeah, like could could you just fucking not? Nowadays we have words like grooming and slut shaming, and those it's so useful to have those. Yes, but they yes. could at least say maybe that older guy is kind of sleazy because he wants to. He's hanging out a lot with this yeah. teenager who you think he's having sex with. He might be the problem here. At no point does anyone like go up to Regina and go, hey, is everything okay? Yeah. We have some concerns. I know. One of the things I have earlier on is she's been eating a lunch alone. You could just ask her. Yeah. Instead, they are sitting together at the pool party going, we need to show Olivia we're on her side. This is the same conversation, same people. But yeah, they're basically talking about how... Yeah, we also need to support all the people in this town who are being preyed upon by your fucking evil sister. (laughs) And maybe this older guy. Yeah. Um, like, just, this is what, this is the point at which I'm like, literally virtue signaling. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. There are no good people in here. There are no good people here because none of them, none of them intervene to stop the bad people hurting people. Yeah. Like, just because Elizabeth is passive, she's still not good. No. So yeah, the next day at their house, they're watching a movie on the brand new video cassette recorder their father had installed. They say video (laughs) cassette recorder so many times. Video cassette (laughs) recorder. Yeah. There was like a period of two weeks when they used that full term before it became VCR. I didn't even know that was what VCR stood for before I I have it. Mark does braggy materialism and vague sexism yay because their father installed it of course Mm -hmm. also the fact that you had to install it like it was it was an installation like no i'm pretty sure that even in 1984 you didn't have to install it you just plugged in the fucking cable (laughs) but you know that's a man's job (laughs) and then you did whatever setup you had to do on the tv to find the right channel for the cable you'd plugged in but yeah you, you swear a lot and it works out any more than that would be manual labor esther oh, and we yeah, can't have that point. gotta mm-hmm. hire someone not even with the down-to-earth wakefields who are merely a lawyer and an interior designer <laughs> yes who still clearly have very large amount of money i mean we're talking low triple figures here you know it's nothing <laughs> salt of the earth people they have a pool but it's not an olympic size pool so that's how we know they're basically poor. A humble fool. <laughs> so Elizabeth is wondering what the hell Jessica is up to. And could Jessica possibly have some kind of ulterior, ulterior motive? motive? But then she doesn't really worry about that anymore. Yeah, what Elizabeth wondered, glancing uneasily at her twin, could Jessica possibly want from Olivia Davidson, who has a wealthy boyfriend? Unless you're you're really going to intervene in Jessica's life. If you're Elizabeth, you have to assume... That she's probably torturing somebody in the background at any given time and you have to decide (laughs) whether you want to dob her in to the... Well, this is specifically someone who's like Elizabeth's friend who she works on the paper with. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not just some random classmate who neither of them knows very well, but Jessica has decided to target. This would be really interesting to read as one novel where one twin is gradually observing their the other twin. Send into sociopath. Yeah. And no. yeah, does it, oh, and, no. like, and having actually... to make decisions about at what point, when do you intervene to try and protect the person? When do you actually stop your twin? Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's frequently mentioned that like, she loves Jessica. For some undisclosed reason, (laughs) other than the fact that they grew up in the same house. Um, But yeah, it would be really nice to see this explored in a 
more sophisticated way instead of just being like, oh yeah, she just puts up with this forever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fine. So yeah, Jessica eventually claims that Lila Fowler is making a move on Roger. <laughs> and so she's taken Olivia under her wing to help her like stand by her man. I'm going to blame it on the only person who's worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth is a fucking idiot and falls for this hook, line and sinker. She couldn't suppress a twinge of uneasiness about her sister's newfound generosity. Yes, that's called your conscience, that little voice. And also your intelligence. (laughs) Yes. But it's okay. She suppresses it. Good and proper. Maybe Jessica really was becoming more considerate of other people's feelings. Really? Really? Yeah. Maybe trickle-down economics will turn out to be fine after all. Who knows what could happen? (laughs) Not so far. Oh my god. There is... Yeah, go on. There are two things about the pool party that I wanted to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. Go Um, on. Oh no, sorry. One of them is that, um, no, I'll come back to that later. Okay. So, um, I just love that, uh, they, they make such a huge fucking deal about the barbecue. Um, can I just, uh, can I just read this? Todd is like, if I know the Patman's lunch will be fit for a king. <laughs> it's just conspicuous consumption. Yes. Kings love barbecues. <laughs> Kings are known for eating burgers. Todd was right. The food arranged on the buffet table was an amazing sight. Platters of hamburgers and hot dogs fresh from the barbecue grill, bowls of salad and coleslaw, every kind of fruit imaginable from strawberries to melons to mangoes, and at the far end of the table, an array of mouth-watering, undescribed desserts. <laughs> I can't believe how good this looks, Olivia exclaimed. So this is basically the food that Dawn and her mother concluded was barely edible for their Connecticut <laughs> friends. Like, it was acceptable, but look, no one's going to be happy, but we'll just serve it to them. <laughs> I know, it's so basic. Look, also, yes, yeah, strawberries are nice and all, but they're not something you impress people with. I love fruit. I would be into the fruit. But hamburgers and hot dogs, no fucking way, oh guys. God, like, you still might be eating her. Like a barbecue with hot dogs? Oh, Wow. <laughs> Like, they literally say fit for a king. We managed <laughs> we managed to do barbecues with, with burgers and, and hot dogs in, in, in like the early nineties in Ireland, like <laughs> yeah. and I will say my dad made that barbecue. Like he made it, he built it with bricks and like bits <laughs> of metal he found. <laughs> like I, I think this is an extremely great barbecue. I'm 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 all over this. I would love that. That sounds delicious, but well, it's not fancy. It's lovely, and I could serve this barbecue. Like, I get the impression it's just a quantity thing. Like, there's just a really huge pile of meat here. <laughs> Maybe it's that they have a variety of food, of fruits. I, yeah, they had three whole types of fruit. I mean, I think it's that those are examples. That's a such as, not yeah. an all, all we have is. I don't know. But it's. Um, and then they're only described as eating salad because, of course, yeah, of course salad, the girls only whatever. fucking eat salad. Of course uh, they do. Of course, yes. of course girls only eat salad because their tanned, toned abdomens are the most important thing about them. Of course, of course. <laughs> this book is read by 12-year-olds. I also don't think, I mean, mangoes were very impressive in Ireland in 1985, but I doubt they were Not in California. California. No, that is probably something that you could have. Like, on a normal, everyday basis. I think there's just a really huge amount of all this stuff, basically. (laughs) Maybe. That's what kings do. Piles of mangoes. (laughs) I wouldn't care. It would be like if 
if they had just headed over to the buffet and been like, oh, this is tasty. Yeah. That would be but, fine, but they're oh fucking going God. crazy about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we are. The next page is the beautiful beige Ferrari. Yes, but the beige Ferrari is <laughs> over into view. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> Regina's middle-aged man is cruising around the high school <laughs> with his beige Ferrari, which is totally normal and acceptable behavior. And he's looking for Regina. And Lila is only delighted because now she's confirmation that this old guy is looking for Regina and Regina goes off with him in his car. Uh, as far as Lila was concerned, Regina Morrow had just done her own reputation enough damage to last a long time. These people are monsters. And yeah. <sighs> Moving on. Jesus Christ. We're at the tennis shop. Olivia and Jessica are. So Ooh. Jessica and Roger, Jessica and Bruce Patman have scheduled a doubles match with Olivia and Roger uh, mm-hmm. because Jessica is really good at tennis and she's hoping to humiliate Olivia. Mm-hmm. So she takes her tennis clothes shopping in the tennis shop. Uh, makes fun of Olivia's completely like unobjectionable hippie outfit, like including like she bought it at a thrift shop. Really, uh, really. I just tagged that really mm. with I hate these people so much. I know. <laughs> so Olivia tries on starched white shorts and a matching polo shirt uh, and feels uncomfortable and ill at ease. And also, they're super expensive, and she's like, "Like that's." no, I'm not spending this much for clothes I hate and don't feel comfortable in. Thank you. So Jessica's like, awesome, just wear whatever shit you want then. Which is like, yeah, just elaborately messed up. Like, she's really, really messing with this girl's head. Mm-hmm. Um, so they <laughs> they go to the designer shop next. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's what it's called. Yes. It is the designer, the designer shop. shop. It's where you buy a designer. <laughs> <laughs> Get your designers two for the euro. <laughs> Olivia finds the designer shop uncomfortable because a lot of times you can't tell which is a sales girl and which is a mannequin, which I would find deeply troubling too. In fairness, yeah. that sounds very upsetting. Look, speaking as someone who like get immediately has like some sort of mad like class consciousness crisis every time I walk into Brown Thomas. Yeah, right. I get, I get that. I don't know that I have ever mistaken a member of staff for a display unit. Like either the mannequins are troublingly lifelike, or the sales <laughs> girls have like no faces, <laughs> and I'm not sure which is worse. Oh my god, Esther, that is like your nightmare. <laughs> yes, it's, 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 it's the, the uncanny, uncanny valley designer shop. <laughs> Oh, you don't know if they're trying to sell you something or just merely display it. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a philosophy problem. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so they go through all the shops. Olivia's getting very uncomfortable, which seems to be the entire object, is to make Olivia feel uncomfortable and self-conscious. Yeah. Jessica's trying to pressure Olivia into buying, like, a horrible designer dress that's $290. Uh, and says that if she doesn't buy that, then it's selfish and she needs to care more about Roger's feelings. It's a ludicrous amount of money now. Yeah. Yeah. And presumably it's at least four times as ludicrous. Twice. Yeah. About twice the amount of dollars. Only twice. Right. Okay. Well, Babysitter's Club, when I've checked um, inflation rates, uh, is about twice. Ah. It's a few years earlier. Okay. So it's a 500 quid dress. And yeah. Not a yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Uh, so Olivia starts to worry that she's not the girlfriend that Roger needs now that he's... It, 
a rich guy, um, which obviously was exactly what Jessica has been planning all along. In fairness, I think like she's been being manipulated by Jessica, but that is the conclusion that I would come to, which is that all this shit is just way above my pay grade and I don't need it. Yeah. Like that almost feels like a self-preservation conclusion <laughs> yeah, yes. that Olivia is coming to. She doesn't realize that like Jessica's actions are not sanctioned by Roger, actually. <laughs> yes. None of this is actually coming from Roger. I mean, Jessica is basically telling her mm-hmm. all of this is above your pay grade and you need to get out. Yeah. But, um, Back at school, Lila is continuing to be terrible, mm-hmm. saying Regina and that middle-aged man were all over each other. Frankly, I'm a little surprised at her. Everyone knows what older men are like. I'm sure they didn't go off to do her homework. She giggled. Twelve-year-olds, read this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then Lila tells Caroline, who's the biggest gossip in school, and thinks nothing like a little negative publicity. She was sure that by the end of the day, Caroline would have told everyone in Sweet Valley High that Regina Morrow was in terrible trouble. Jessica is like, oh, you're telling Caroline. Okay, right. So we're we're just publicizing this. Yeah. Now, are we? Okay, cool. So we haven't encountered Caroline before now. Caroline has red hair, um, is otherwise attractive, but still has red hair, uh, and can't get a date. Yes. Um, this is turns out to be foreshadowing for the next book, which I don't think we're gonna read. But I okay. don't think um, so either. We really miss so. Stony Brook so much. I want to go back to Stony Brook. Um, Caroline uh, is, in the meantime, quite eager to tell them about her wonderful new boyfriend called Adam, who lives in Cold Springs. How generic <laughs> is this world? Long rich white people, um, like Cold Springs. Sweet Valley. <laughs> I kind of want to read the next book to see if he's real. He can't possibly be real. <laughs> I didn't think anything in this book could possibly be real, but I'm still fucking reading it. Touche. <laughs> um, so anyway, Caroline's date, Adam, is so great and he's writing her letters, but he lives in Cold Springs and they, she wishes you could meet her boyfriend. Her boyfriend lives in Canada, except it's Cold Springs. Um, <laughs> but um, so I don't think Adam is real, but maybe he is. But he probably isn't, though. I'm guessing not. Well, I mean, the entire next book seems to be centred around whether he exists or not. So, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be a twist ending, but yeah. I, I reckon that Francine Pascal is going to go for the maximum humiliation value. Yes, so probably. So, yeah, Regina, or Elizabeth and Todd sort of concern troll Regina some more. Uh, she runs <laughs> away from them. Elizabeth says, I just wish there was something we could do to help. You could hang out with Regina and just be a buffer between her and the assholes you go to school with. That is the best thing you could do with it for her. That would involve them taking some kind of action. Yeah. They could have a conversation <laughs> with her. They could tell everyone else to mind their own fucking business. There's so many things they could do, none of which they're going to do. They could be like, shut the fuck up, Jessica. I mean, since Elizabeth writes for the school paper, they could sort of do articles about how slut shaming is bad. Mm-hmm. But oh no. Oh, God. They could not have a gossip column in the school paper. <laughs> also, a real possibility. Yeah, outrageous. Mm-hmm. So, tennis match of shame and humiliation. Oh, man. This is painful. <laughs> This is so bad. As a non-sporty person, this is just like, yeah, mm. it just, I honestly gave me terrible flashbacks to being forced to play basketball in the Gale Talk. Yeah, this is, I think this gave all of us probably like school PE PTSD. Uh-huh. Yeah. This uh-huh. is like 
yeah, Olivia's very bad at tennis. Uh, Jessica contrives to make her look even worse than she is. It's very embarrassing. Olivia is like sweaty and crying by the end of it. Like Jessica, when we say contrives, she calculates every possible way in which she can make Olivia look worse. Yes. While also making herself seem like she's totally sympathetic to Olivia the whole time. Yes. Like this is Machiavellian stuff. It's beyond Machi- Machiavelli would have been like I hear now though, <laughs> <laughs> he would, though. this is a bit much like, I'm, I was trying to tell you how to like organize nations not be cruel to each other on the sports video yeah, that's like, not what? nice like yeah it's like what power are you gaining by doing this <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah I didn't go through torture to tell you how to be mean to like 12 year old kids <laughs> sorry they are 16, 16 year old kids still they're kids yeah, yeah. it's very like it's it's actually genuinely kind of upsetting by the end because it's so calculated and mean and yeah Roger is completely oblivious to everything that's going on and is genuinely surprised and upset when Olivia wants to stop playing <laughs> so Jessica's ecstatic um because she's terrible she thinks as well that she is getting closer to Roger by doing this which I'm not sure is actually that accurate he sort of falls for her shtick briefly towards the end of the book. But mostly, it's only because she manages to convince him that Olivia has abandoned him. I think she's she's assuming that the only reason she's not already in the act of having sex with Roger is because Olivia inconveniently <laughs> exists. And that as soon yeah. as Olivia can be removed from the situation, like everything else will just sort itself out. So, you know, I don't think she even wants to have sex with Roger. I no, she, she wants to own him. She is yes. surprised to be one. Yeah. Like a handbag. Yeah. She wants to own him like a handbag, exactly. Roger is the must-have accessory. Yes. And she <laughs> must have him. The must-have accessory this season, orphans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these people would do it and you know it. Yeah. What teen girl doesn't want to be queen of the country club? It's what we all dreamed of. <laughs> Did Donald Trump write this book? <laughs> I know Francine Pascal is like, I, I assume it's a pen name of many ghostwriters. Like, was he one of them? <laughs> There's definitely a kind of a Marilego vibe to this whole this whole aesthetic. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he can't like write, so it's, no, he didn't. That's true, and we know it. He- <laughs> so, um, eventually, someone actually tries to engage in some kind of constructive dialogue, and Regina asks Elizabeth to come over to her house and hang out, mm-hmm. um, and Elizabeth is very concerned but to be honest I think deep down she just loves the drama and she's fucking thrilled that someone's finally going to spill. Elizabeth is Jessica except passive and waits for things to occur to her. Yes. Elizabeth is Jessica but she knows it's unseemly to actually act like Jessica. Mm -hmm. I think Elizabeth is Jessica but she just doesn't want things as badly as Jessica does. Yeah. All these things are compatible. But you know what I mean? There's a certain level of like passiveness that appears to be goodness. And it's just that you don't actually want all that much. But if you don't get what you want, you might still kick the fuck off about it. It's just that you don't want a lot, so it doesn't show up very often. So yes, Regina goes, or Elizabeth goes over to Regina's house and Regina explains, I don't know why Regina has like invited Elizabeth over for this great unburdening, aside from the fact that like, Elizabeth is just a gossip vampire. I guess. <laughs> um, so it turns out that, yes, Elizabeth, uh, Regina is 
modeling. The guy is her agent. Uh, he runs one of the best modeling agencies on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's been like headhunted to model for a special story in Ingenue magazine. Ingenue <laughs> <laughs> magazine. I I could not stop laughing when I read Ingenue was the name. Or it's probably not. Is it? Is that how you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? Ingenue. I know Ingenue is the French, but what's the anglicised? Ingenue. What are these California kids? Are they <laughs> actually calling it Ingenue? I actually swear the only time I ever heard the word Ingenue spoken out loud was admittedly by like my speech or drama teacher who was an actual actress. So she's probably just saying it real French. She used to be married to someone who like produced music for the Pogues and stuff. She had one of his discs up in her thing. He was dead. <laughs> um, and she was in an actual play. I went to see her in an actual play. Like she appeared to be a working actress who was doing speech or drama okay. lessons. I was an adult at the time. Um, <laughs> I got like 95% of my exam, even though we had misunderstood the syllabus. <laughs> there are many things happening in this story. <laughs> she was very good. I should stop talking. So confused. Anyway, Just my every- speech and drama teacher said the word ingenue. <laughs> And she said it like that, and she was Irish, so, you know. It's a good story, but every element of it needs explaining. <laughs> she could really dance. She liked tea a lot. <laughs> she was right to some of the people from Fair City. Stop, stop. stop talking about your teacher. You're just doing this to hurt me, and you know it. Yes, Ariel. You're succeeding. I've stopped. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> So Regina's going to be an Ingenue magazine. <laughs> I'm making an executive decision. It's Ingenue magazine. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just going to take me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ingenue magazine. What it? I'm still the saying Ingenue. Just so you know. Okay. I'm here for it. Um. <clears throat> Like, it's, it's not a good name for a magazine, though. Okay? No, it's, it's like, really not. It's, Especially not if you're going to be suspected of grooming teenage girls. <laughs> no. It's, no. Like, I was like, naive magazine. <laughs> 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 Cultish. <laughs> yeah, that could work. I was All like, red flag they're... words. Come on, help me out here. Original. Um, Target magazine. Uh, jail <laughs> Original Jailbait. Oh, yeah, Jailbait magazine is what we're going to call it now. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay. Just call it Jailbait. <laughs> I mean, it was... Or, it was, for the Jessicas of the town, teen sociopath. <laughs> or just the magazine magazine to, you know... <laughs> to do the job. To fit with yeah. the Sweet Valley aesthetic. <laughs> so anyway... This publication, yes, it's going to have a whole a whole thing about Regina, and there's going to be like, yeah, she's going to be on the cover and everything. And this 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 middle aged guy Lane is like totally on the level, and he's happily married, and his wife is actually the one that spotted Regina. And yes, it's 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 extremely innocent and it's fine. Regina says that everyone's going to feel a lot better once this is finally out in the open, which. Mm. Uh, I don't even know you guys. Yeah. I mean, there's no real reason to keep this secret except for artificial suspense. Yeah. So yes, Elizabeth's not allowed to tell Todd. And Todd is really frustrated because he's just gagging for some drama, basically. Yeah, like, (laughs) he makes way bigger of a thing of it than it should be. Like, yeah. You know, it's like... She tells him everything's fine, but I can't tell you the details yet. And he's like, Ugh. Yeah. And, and like later on, like he really makes a thing of it. Like, you yeah. know, like it's, he's, he's so good that he didn't make more of a thing of it than this. And it's yeah. like, oh, fuck off, Todd, would yeah. you? 
seriously. I wanted to be in on it, but it feels like a a friends group jealousy thing rather than a boyfriend. Yeah, jealousy. but at the same time, like, like okay, look, there is nothing I hate worse than being told that there's something I don't know. But I also understand that if someone tells my friend a secret mm-hmm. and they ask my friend not to tell me, then they can't tell me, and I will not. Mm. Be a petty little cow about it to yes. someone, which Todd is. Todd is being a little bitch. Yeah, he is being a little bitch. Todd is not friends with Regina. No, so not particularly. No. He should take a step back from being Detective Todd yeah. and mm-hmm. just accept that this is something that he will learn about in due course. Todd thinks he is the protagonist of a totally other kind of novel where he is actually <laughs> a side character in oh dear. something that's much less exciting. <laughs> Poor Todd. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jessica comes by the Oracle office to stick her nose in, basically. She complains that there's too much paper around. Apparently this is the first time she's ever been in the Oracle office because she doesn't realise that paper might be an aspect of creating a newspaper. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm not sure she knows what a newspaper is, honestly. Mm. Entirely likely. She probably reads the gossip column, but not any <laughs> yes. other part of it. Yes, definitely. She comes by to get Olivia uh, because she's supposedly helping Olivia get her dress ready for the Patman's party because she's making a dress. Um, Elizabeth is like, well, that's weird because Jessica doesn't know anything about sewing and she sure is hanging around Olivia a lot. Oh, well, I've poked my nose in other people's business enough as it is. Whatever Jessica's up to this time, I'm going to stay far away. Elizabeth would definitely allow genocide to happen on her doorstep. 100%. Yeah, yeah fair. Yep. Fair. So Jessica goes around to Olivia's house and expresses, like, disgust at the fact that the dress Olivia made is made of cotton instead of the finest polyester money can buy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then she makes up a bunch of stuff about how Bruce's mom is really mean and publicly made a girl cry for not knowing how to eat lobster. And that um, like that might not be made up. That could be just true. Like that sounded, that sounded legit, entirely but, on brand. That's a good point. I don't think Jessica cares whether it's true or not, no. but it could be true. It could be true. That's true. Yeah. And her attitude towards the dress is really like you tried. Yes. And it's great that you tried. You tried but... to make this all by yourself, and that's really nice. Yeah. I, I think she says that. Yes. Like yeah. Yeah. Because um, she's scum. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Roger's depending on you to help him make the right sort of impression. And if you let him down, she let her voice trail off, her expression filled with horror at the imagined consequence. So Olivia <sighs> kicks her out and then cries. It's I, I am happy that Olivia is actually quite, like, in this section, she's like, no, you actually need to leave. Because Jessica's like, why don't you come downtown with me and I'll help you buy the right kind of dress. And Olivia's like, no, get out. <laughs> yeah. no, like, seriously, yeah. I have my homework. Just leave the house. Yes. Um, that is the first spine that Olivia has shown in this whole thing. Yes. Jessica's the worst. She is. Jessica's a sociopath. Speaking of people who are the worst, Mrs. Patman summons Roger to talk to her on the patio mm-hmm. um, and grills him about like his life and his choices. So she disapproves of running because he gets hot and sweaty when he's running and it's not social enough. Uh, he thinks about the fact that he wants to be a doctor. She disapproves of that because it's too messy. (laughs) (laughs) Saving people's lives is just too gooey. So he really should go into business like Bruce. Um, And that uh, 
yes, Olivia is too awkward and that maybe Bruce could fix him up with some nice predatory college girls. <laughs> and he mumbles that he'll think about it. Um, I'm, I'm very troubled by these college girls. Why are they hanging out with this child? Guys, when we were in college, did you ever consider... <laughs> hanging out with a 16-year-old no. boy? like... I'm actually horrified by the notion of that. Christ. (laughs) When I was in first year of college, I went to, I skipped afternoon, I skipped a tutorial with a friend of mine. We went and we queued up because Michael Shanks, who played Dr. Daniel Jackson in Stargate SG-1, was doing a signing at Forbidden Planet. We went and we queued up for that signing. In that same queue was a certain fifth year student who was also skipping classes, fifth year and secondary school student, by the name of Richard. <laughs> and oh. if I had met my... Your future husband. Secondary school student, hus- future husband, in that queue, I'd known that he was a secondary school student, which admittedly I would not have known on site because he was six foot four and prematurely grey, with a full beard. <laughs> I would have gone nowhere fucking near him. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a, and and there is an, a less, there is like a a 14 month gap between us. I'm about 14 months older than him. But I was in college and he was Mm. in school. Oh my God. And it created, it ought to create that much of a fucking barrier unless you were both going out when you were in school and one of you just graduated. Yeah. Yeah. These, these college women are horrifying. Yes. Where do they find them? They're like, they're going to be the terrifying ladies in the, like, golf club bar in 30 years time. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Future cougars right here. Yes, exactly. They're, they're. Not to stigmatize cougars. This is something scarier. No, than I think I just told her women should have all the casual sex they want. Yes. Um, <laughs> not with. Just not teenagers. with schoolboys. Just yes. not with schoolboys. <laughs> yeah. So Regina is, um, or. Lila, I cannot remember what anyone's name is. I keep calling everyone Regina. That's because it's half past 12 at night. Possibly, yes. Lila's stalking Regina. Um, so she follows her to the Ingenue offices and Regina like decides to set up a meeting with... Lila. Uh, Lila, sorry. Oh my God. It's okay. I'll keep you on track. Yeah. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm very organized. Keep track of which wasp we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> she sets up a meeting with Lane Townsend because she decides that once he takes a look at her, he'll like fire Regina as the... Also, model. he's got the worst receptionist in the world. Yes. I was thinking she that just as well. Her like, the receptionist is like, oh, you're, I guess, a young woman. Let me just give you a slot. Do you want to meet him on Friday afternoon? I will say that. Earlier in the conversation, she's like, oh, I can't help. Uh, Lane has been handling all the inquiries himself. He hasn't really told me much about it, which tells me that Lane knows she's incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Very possibly. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. This this reception is like, it gives Lila an appointment with the head of the modeling agency, assuming that, I guess she's a hot young teenager, maybe the rumours about Lane are true and they just don't apply to Regina. Maybe, maybe he's just like, not this one. And Lila's like, well, I will, I will persuade him not to put Regina on the (laughs) front cover of the magazine. Like, what? Also, I know for a fact that like, the cover's already done. If the magazine is coming out that soon, it's all done. Yes. Do you not know anything about magazine? 
Also, like, Lila only found out that being on the cover of this magazine was a thing like five minutes ago. I know. I actually have it like, I'm not entirely certain of her motivation. Is it literally just like, she should not be a cover girl. I should be a cover girl? Yeah, is, I is think that so. it? Literally, in the space of 30 seconds? Someone else is getting a nice thing. I should have that instead. Yeah, yeah I guess. Wow. I, it's very toddler. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but someone else has it. And now I want it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think my toddler would know better. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if toddlers know better, but, you know, they're toddlers, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. She's 16. I think if I ran a modeling agency, I'd be like, do not allow any unescorted 16-year-olds in here. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Ever. No. Yeah. So back at school, um, Olivia tells Roger that she is incredibly uncomfortable around his family and that she's not going to the country club. And Roger flips out and says that... um He feels abandoned. He feels abandoned, basically. And how can she not care about his feelings? So they break up. Uh, and Olivia cycles away, sadly. Hmm. So Jessica is very excited and decided decides it's time to make her move. So Elizabeth approaches Jessica. Yes. At a point at which Jessica is, let me describe this in full. She is wearing a red string bikini and lying out in their pool. They're not rich, but they have a pool. She is lying um, flat on her back on the diving board. But we're not rich. We will point out again that their parents are a successful lawyer and a successful interior designer. <laughs> They're not rich, and I am doing finger quotes right now. Um, Jessica is lying flat on her back on the diving board. Previously at the pool party, I have quote Lila looked bored to death, lying flat on her back in a lounge chair. What? What is this? I cannot picture this. They're they're just like they're completely prone in a bikini, going. <laughs> I am just going to... It is the 1980s. Suntans were popular because no one had really cottoned on to skin cancer yet. Like, that's a, that I get. But this is... In both cases, they're kind of like waiting to be observed. I can see being propped up on an elbow, right? But being in the midst of all these people at a party, lying flat on your back, like, I am just a corpse. <laughs> well, that's because Lila has no class. I also love the detail that Jessica is lying here with one hand flung dramatically over her eyes. I guess life is a burden when the only joy you get is manipulating people until they do what you want. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's true. Poor Jessica. I'm just not equipped to deal with this society. No. I'm just used to Stony Brook, okay, guys? Like, <laughs> used to people who make sense. I mean, either used to Stony Brook or reality, and they're both kind of a lot better than these fuckers. I know. Oh, a lot tamer. <laughs> God, I miss those girls. Damn right. But for some reason, apparently, yeah, we lie down by the swimming pool on our backs, waiting for somebody to trip over us in a dramatic fashion. <laughs> um, and a red string bikini. I never quite understood what a string bikini was. I knew it was a level more sexy than an average bikini. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that the sort of one where, like, the bottoms, the sides are, like, tied with a string? Yeah, and, like, the bum is just like a thong. Oh. I had a, I had a bikini that had an actual arse in it, but definitely had strings at the side. And it just was never quite right. It was always over one side yes. or the other. Like, 
<laughs> it was just too awkward. Yeah, I think a string bikini is like the bum is a thong and the sides are strings and the top is like okay. little triangles, Two triangles on strings. and a load of strings. Yeah. I'm not a very conservative kind of mammy, but I'm like, you're going to let your 16-year-old wear a thong bikini? That's that's quite that's quite a lot for even for the 80s or any time in history. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, uh, she is at home, but she doesn't only wear that at home. <sighs> okay, maybe that's why she's lying no. flat on her back. She maybe actually maybe. want people. Maybe <laughs> the song. So she jumps up and runs off to offer her condolences to Olivia. Anyway, and mm. Elizabeth is like, "Oh, I've misjudged you." Well, she says she's going to offer her condolences, and Elizabeth assumes it's to Olivia, but actually, it's not. <laughs> she's going to go and offer her condolences to um to Roger instead. Good point. So yes, she turns up and tells Roger that uh, actually Olivia is just jealous and that Olivia has wanted to stand him up so that everyone would laugh at him and he'd be humiliated. And Roger completely believes all of this. Yeah, Roger is a flat. Like, <laughs> Roger is a is a mark. He is whatever term they used to use to describe people who were the subject of cons. Yep. In the past. He, he is one of those of whom there is one born every minute. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess. And I know that he has very recently been orphaned. But Roger, Dude. come on. <laughs> what I can't get is why doesn't everyone in the school know that you just never believe a word out of Jessica Wakefield's mouth? Yes. Like, why does anyone give her the time of day? She, she does this shit every book. Do they not talk to each other? Can't be like, that lying bitch, she lied to me. Again. That she lied to me too. And then everyone <laughs> is just like, oh my God, Jessica, why? Yeah. For considering how much these people apparently love to gossip, they don't talk enough about their experiences with Jessica <gasps> Wakefield. Because Elizabeth is the, is the arbiter of the gossip column. Uh, and true. she is also the sister. Elizabeth is the reason that Jessica gets away with everything. She's protecting her. No, 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 no. Because Elizabeth writes the gossip column, but the gossip column is actually probably really boring because the source mm. of gossip is Caroline What's-Her-Name. Like, mm. living gossip is not in a gossip column. It's oral. Mm. Either way, they're letting themselves down. But oh, they are. Not, like... Not sharing mm -hmm. their Jessica stories. Everyone also, it like defies like however many million years of human evolution here. <laughs> like, no, we gossip like crazy so that we can identify and cast out cheaters. Sorry, we just do. Well, yeah, the system has failed here. Yeah. Um, Jessica subtly feeds Roger the idea that she doesn't have a date to his party. So he invites her. Uh, thinking this was his idea. He's a rube. He really <laughs> is. He is a rube. <laughs> um, so he announces to Mrs. Patman that he's taking Jessica to the country club and she is so happy that she orders the servant to pour him a congratulatory glass of milk, which made me laugh and laugh and laugh. What? What is going on in this scene? I know, it was bizarre. <laughs> also, it was disturbingly quickly poured and handed to him. I was like trying to say the dialogue out loud, loud to work out how fast she would have had to do that. Miranda knows her stuff. She, she pours milk real fast. Go on, Miranda. You're some woman. Yeah, it's like he has made himself a sandwich, which is in violation of the Patman laws. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the auntie comes in, he explains that he's done this thing and she's delighted and then she is like get the servant 
to pour you a glass of milk, which you maybe don't necessarily want. <laughs> yes, she has not asked if you wanted a drink. She's just like, no. Miranda, give him some milk. Not everyone wants to drink a whole glass of milk. Yeah, like a lot of people don't like drinking milk. A lot of people. I would be like, oh, cool. Okay. Also, he may just not be thirsty right now. Yes, all these things, right? I felt like the thing that came across most strongly to me here is um, get the servant to do this job for you because I noticed that you've made yourself a sandwich and that's cool, but we we have help for this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also don't think that real people do this. No, no they don't. <laughs> okay. So Lila goes to the magazine offices um, of Ingenue or Jailbait <laughs> Magazine or whatever. <laughs> Jailbait Magazine is easier to say. Okay. Okay, sure. Jailbait Magazine. And announces that she wants to be in the competition to be on the cover. And Lane is like, uh, yeah, no, we've got Regina. And actually we're doing like a full story about her because she's so amazing because she's deaf, but also looks good. And I think the bit that I love most is like, oh, we, we closed that months ago. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, publishing like cycles. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that I can't just get them to change everything at like 48 hours notice. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yes. And then he does go into tremendous detail to this teenager who has shown up in his office and not explained why she is yeah. taking up a slot of his work time. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, it, it's it's almost as though he's like, yeah, I'm going to just enjoy humiliating this particular person for a while. Yeah. For, for no apparent reason. Well. Francine Pascal told me to do it and I'm just going to do it, okay? <laughs> also, her face is too flat to be a model, apparently. Yes. <laughs> He he let her down gently, saying that uh, yeah, um, her facial structure wasn't right. Wouldn't look well in the photographs. She is definitely she is wearing her most expensive outfit, which sounds pretty generic, very generic mm-hmm. description. And also, she is completely covered in makeup. <laughs> yes, her face is stiff from the amount of makeup, and she's like encased her head in hairspray. I so I guess that he has failed to respond to her natural charms, which are not natural at all. <laughs> yeah, which is yet another thing this book is judgy about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How dare you not look flawless? How dare you wear too much makeup? I mean, I don't know who to root for anymore. Nobody. I'm Nobody. rooting for like, an earthquake to swallow this entire town. <laughs> That's the, we root for the San Andreas Fault. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So the, the day of the party... Um, Roger is in Mr. Patman's dressing room and he overhears Mrs. Patman on the phone and she's called her horrible friends, the Fergusons, and <laughs> spills the beans about how uh, Jessica broke up Roger from Olivia and now he's going to go out with Jessica and it's all great. She's super invested in this particular set of teen relationships these teenagers' lives, it's so fucking weird. She really is. It's like It's not it's not cool. No, it's it's some weird arranged marriage bullshit. Um so Roger realizes what an incredible, incredible, incredible idiot he's been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is like, no wonder Olivia never wants to see me again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he calls the Wakefields and asks Elizabeth for help. Um, Olivia, Elizabeth, meanwhile, is working on a play about Elizabeth Barrett Browning because she's an extremely boring person. <laughs> <sighs> it, it's going to be relevant to the next book. Yeah. 
No doubt. I'm just really glad we don't have but to read that. Not even. Yeah, Jess. Yeah. Roger turns up and announces that he can't take Jessica to the dance because he feels bad for Olivia. Um, and Jessica's like, "Well, fuck that." Um, <laughs> and Roger suggests, "Why don't the three of us all go over there and uh, try and talk her around?" And Jessica, oddly enough, doesn't go for it. And Elizabeth <laughs> basically knows that this is all Jessica's fault, but she's not going to like be awkward and say anything or whatever. Yep. So they take off. So Jessica <laughs> decides to uh, return to the arms of Neil Fremont and say that he can take <laughs> her to the country club after all. Neil is also a rube. Yes. Oh, yeah. They go to Olivia's mm-hmm. house. They are shocked to find out that Olivia's house is actually really nice. And I think this is supposed to signal to us that Olivia is a good person worthy of Elizabeth spending time on her. She's not that poor. Yes, she's not that poor. Her house was designed by her architect uncle. So She's just quirky. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. She's worth knowing. Mm-hmm. So they tell Olivia what's been going on and... Roger apologizes for having been like bamboozled by Jessica. And then Olivia's like, oh, well, it's my fault too. I shouldn't have been so insecure and let Jessica like get to me. We've acted like a pair of prize idiots, which uh, my notes just say sigh. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you want to survive in this town, you possibly have to be more savvy than one would generally need. Yes, but on the other hand, an evil genius specifically set out to destroy her. So this is why Olivia is going to leave town. Yeah, she's just yeah. going to get the fuck away from Jessica Wakefield. Yes, and Mrs. Patman, and move to LA. It's just nicer. Definitely. Yeah, move to LA. Everyone is so much more straightforward and friendly. And- <laughs> no, well, we'll maybe. take advantage of you in this particular way. Yes. <laughs> It'll yeah. be a breeze after this place. So Go to New York. The people are kinder and simpler. <laughs> so yeah, Elizabeth gets home um, and confronts Jessica. Uh, Jessica's very angry because she's seen the magazine and it's got Regina Morrow on the front. <laughs> Jessica is very angry because A, this has happened and B, Elizabeth was in on it and knew about it in advance. And I don't know why anyone cares. Like... I don't know why Elizabeth was required to have told Jessica this, but whatever. Because Jessica's a fucking selfish bitch. Well, yes. Uh, at this point, Elizabeth confronts Jessica about everything she's been doing. And Jessica insists that she would never do such a thing on purpose. Uh, she was just trying to help, but she somehow did everything wrong. And she would never mean to hurt Roger or Olivia on purpose. Like, Jessica lies so fluently and so obviously like it shouldn't come as a surprise after we've seen her manipulate Olivia so thoroughly but Elizabeth is supposed to be like she's Jessica's twin and she is kind of supposed to be the person that she's open with Mm -hmm. um she's not no no um I'd never do anything so hurtful like she is clearly Elizabeth is another person that Jessica just needs to manipulate and manage in order to keep doing her Jessica thing. Yeah. She says, Liz, you know, I never would have done something like that on purpose, Jessica insisted. How was I supposed to know Olivia was so insecure? I really did want to help her, she said, but somehow I just seemed to do everything wrong. Oh, it's so disarming to be like, I was like, I was doing my best, but I, I got it wrong. Yeah. So many people will relate to, Yeah. I managed this situation awkwardly and I did the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Elizabeth who wants to appear to be doing the right thing is like, oh, okay, I understand that. Yeah. 
God, Jessica is so manipulative. She's I know. awful. She's so just so awful. Elizabeth just decides that she can't stay mad at Jessica. And she's like, yeah. You're so lovable. It's the same as previously when they were like, I just don't understand why Lila would be mean. Yeah. Like, you are not thinking enough about how and why they enjoy it <laughs> and they get off on it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's as close as Jessica comes to facing a consequence for her behavior. Um yeah. Elizabeth sort of mildly wags her finger at her and then is instantly placated and nobody's going to tell their parents what she's been up to or anything like that like if Elizabeth deals with this there are so many other things she's going to have to deal with. Also god, what would you do if you were her parents? Like how could you deal with that? She change my name and move away. Yeah, like Hey, Jessica, fancy being an emancipated minor? I don't want anything to do with you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica would be like, I don't know, how big is the salary? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? That would specifically be your question. Uh, So everyone goes to the country club. There's a receiving line at the country club because these people have no chill. Or taste. Or taste. Because let's reiterate, Roger's mother died two weeks ago. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Christ. Um, And the descriptions of the country club are like, just it is so fancy there are bowls of flowers floating in water and just all sorts of decor and stuff which is a bit much for a wedding and a live jazz band and yes it sounds yeah. like it sounds like an upmarket wedding this is a party to introduce their new orphan nephew to their friends have they had the funeral <laughs> Did they have that yet? Yeah, I'm assuming the funeral happened during the first, during that week, and they're they're not like, I don't think the Americans are like the English or the British. Were they? But like, British. Just, it's just like, like, we'll have it at some point. Just in the put future. the body in the fridge for weeks. Yeah, she's dead. Let's move on. What's more important is Roger needs to get contact lenses. That's true. In Ireland, we bury people in like three to four days, max. Or else people start getting antsy. If people have to, if relatives have to sort getting back from Australia for five days. Yeah, max. Generally speaking, a funeral happens within three days of the death. It's like, end off. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Get her done. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe there's been a funeral, maybe there hasn't. But more importantly, <laughs> the country club, the optician, <laughs> the sports shop. Oh, yeah. Let's get those nylon shorts. <laughs> the tennis shop. <laughs> and... The designer shop. (laughs) But not Foxy Mama. Life is just a sequence of shops until you eventually die and ascend to whatever heaven is awaiting you. And then your relatives buy nylon shorts with a plastic credit card. (laughs) The circle of life is complete. Life ends, but nylon shorts are everlasting. (laughs) It's true. They don't biodegrade. They will melt if you try to burn them. This whole town should just burn down. That would be the best solution. I think this is the best solution, yes. A cleansing fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, the country club. Oh my god. So Todd forgives Elizabeth for not telling him things that were none of his business and didn't matter. Uh, yeah, this this one made me want to fucking shake Todd. Yeah. Um, this is also the bit where they seem to be where I interpret it as like, oh, we're going to do it, right? Okay, cool, cool. That's the conversation where they're dancing. Oh, Elizabeth says, what should I promise next? And he says, just promise to have a good time tonight. That's all I ask. No, I think he just means have a good time at the party. Enjoy this sumptuous 
consumption. There was kind of subtext on there with the what should I promise next? She murmured, tightening her arms around him. Like, and he's like if I was writing oh. fanfic, like the murmured and the while tightening her arms. What should I promise next? And he's like, let's just have a great time with the party. Yeah, and then it's cool. Kind of and you're like, oh, okay. Doesn't okay, build yeah. on that. But I think it's, she's offering. I'm cool with Todd being all like, yep, we're just gonna. <laughs> we are going to maybe do some making it. We maybe might yeah. make it to the heavy petting in the car later on the way home. There might be company keeping of a serious nature. Real clueing all the way, baby. Exactly. We're, we're so wholesome. And Liz was like, Okay. Sure. That's sure. Okay, that's fine. And the Elsa was like, Yeah, but I would quite like to fuck though, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did rent a hotel room, but I mean it's fine if we just want to drop me home, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's getting relieved of their virginity tonight. <laughs> not not okay. not on Todd's behalf anyway. No. <laughs> so yes, the, the, the bad and the ugly turn up. Uh Mrs. Ferguson <laughs> looks at Olivia and says, What a surprise. I thought that pretty blonde girl was going to be your date this evening. Why does she care about her husband's business associate's nephew's date? Why why would you be so invested in these teenagers that you don't know? <laughs> you you wouldn't. What is wrong with these people? There's no, there's no excuse or explanation for that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with these people. It's like, um, yeah, it's like she was these children when she was in school and now she's got nothing else to do. And now she's smushing them together like her Barbies and going, now kiss. <laughs> I guess, yeah, there's, there's nothing else going on in her life, I assume. Because she's too awful to have a fulfilling hobby. It's baff. I don't understand it's, why. No, it is utterly baffling. What I don't understand is why the author expects us to buy that this woman is so invested in this. Because the target audience for this book is 14. We were smarter than this at 14. Uh, I, I never wanted to read these, so yeah. If you were this rich, surely you could have more interesting hobbies. Yes. Than, like, judging people who are very far away from you in your social circles. <laughs> yes, like she literally met him for the first time a week ago. Like try and try and insert yourself into some celebrities social circles. Isn't that what you do? You try and move up. You don't judge people who are lower down than you on the scale. Yes. Don't don't try to match make other people's teenagers. It's so weird. No, it makes no sense. I so, don't know. Roger very politely says that there was a misunderstanding and Olivia is his girlfriend, actually. And Mrs. Mm -hmm. Patman loses her fucking mind and pulls him aside into the cloakroom and yells at him about how his behaviour was inexcusable. At which point Mr. Patman turns up and is like, no, oh, he was mm -hmm. fine. He was very polite. This is completely fine. Uh, in fact, Mrs. Ferguson was rude. <gasps> so Roger is very touched by this and uh, that's very nice. Then Roger makes a little speech about how, you know, he's so sorry and it was so hard at first and there was so much to get used to and he got intimidated, but he's so happy to be part of their family. Again, his mother died two weeks ago and may not even be cold in her grave yet. Um, I Roger think I watched a lot of CSI. She would be cold. She may not be in her grave. Maybe not in her Well, I mean, we think we think probably she is in her grave. Probably the funeral occurred during the apparently one week he took off school. I guess. One but week. But either way, he's awfully eager to just 
forget about her and be part of the Patmans now. Yay! <sighs> anyway, Mr. Patman also says that Olivia is a pretty terrific girl, so everything's going to be fine. The patriarch has put his seal of approval on this, and it doesn't matter what the other minor members of the family care, like say or do to you, because you know that the guy who signs the checks approves of your girlfriend, and that is fine. I mean, Mister Patman is the only one of these people who I'd piss on if they were on fire. So, yeah, I mean, there's that, but also he's the guy who signs the checks approves of it, and the lesser members of the family who hold no real power within it will still be able to make your life hell. Enjoy. (laughs) True. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody wins. He definitely will not intervene to stop those people because if he divorced Mrs. Patman, I was thinking about this, she's going to take at least half his stuff. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to do that. No. Mm -hmm. He's just going to engage in minor petty power wars and allow you to be a pawn. Like collateral damage. And (laughs) like you and his his son. (laughs) Oh, like... At least you got raised by a mother who loved you for several years before she died. I hate all of these people so much. It's it's all bad times. It's so bad. Oh yes, off in the girls' bathroom, there's some kind of drama. Caroline's got a letter from her boyfriend. It's hilariously terrible. It's awful. It is plagiarised from... So the next book, right, uh, Elizabeth has been studying Elizabeth Barrett Browning the letter is plagiarised from Elizabeth Barrett Brown. Uh, that is that is what is going to happen in the next book. It doesn't actually prove that he's not a real person because real boys are also able to plagiarise from Elizabeth Barrett Brown. <laughs> um, and I, I would love, I wouldn't love it, but I would be marginally amused if he turned out to be a real guy who um, just is not very confident in his own poetical abilities and has been plagiarising. That would be okay, that would work. Um, but I think he's probably a sock puppet. And like Caroline, who nobody loves uh, because she's a redhead and therefore third on the like ladder of attractiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and also mean, but mostly she's a red. Yeah, you know, it's mostly that she's a redhead because, like, you know, people don't all hate Jessica and Lila, and they're worse than her. Yeah, being mean is no obstacle here. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I think she's mean and also obvious. Lila is obvious. Yeah. It's mostly that she's unattractive and we know it. Because these books are as shallow. They're, they're very Oh my god. Shallow. They're so shallow. <laughs> I hate this fucking book. I could, I could say that like, there's gonna be a fun twist ending, but there isn't. No, that's, that's it. That's the, the that's the book. Yeah. We're not gonna read it though, so it's no. okay. Yeah. We'll be, thank god we'll be back in Connecticut. Oh my god. Yeah. I love Anna Martin so much. Um, yeah, I appreciate yeah. her so much. She's like, she, she she means well. Her heart is in the right place. <laughs> Come back, all is forgiven. <laughs> the, this has taught me the difference between well-intentioned, churned-out kidlet pulp and trash. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. actual trash. Our parents were right all along. Oh my god, the Kishi parents should be so happy that Claudia is reading Nancy Drew and not this shit. I know. <laughs> like, she could be reading these books. They were published for several years before the Babysitter's Club started. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think Anna Martin's um, goal was to create a universe in which the Sweet Valley books did not exist. <laughs> I hope so. That's a world I want to live in. Yeah. This is meant to be a happy ending, right? And there are some of the requisite comeuppances. 
and like reunions, but everything else is a dumpster fire. It's still yeah. Sweet Valley um is just um yes, yeah. so what were you saying, Aoife? <laughs> The, the only winner in this is the San Andreas fault. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're rooting for someone here, if you want some kind of outcome that benefits the universe, <laughs> giant earthquake, rocks fall, everyone dies. This is it. This yeah. is the only, like, winning play here. <laughs> this place needs to be purged from the face of the earth. <laughs> if you were the GM, that is the decision you would take. Rocks fall, everyone dies. Look seriously, a TPK is 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 only going to help matters right now. You know that plaque that they they want to put at like the place where they hide all the nuclear waste, so that future generations mm. yes. won't meddle. That will be like no great deeds occurred here, no great this acts is were not commemorated a place of here. Honor. There yeah. is just don't touch it. <laughs> yes, there is no treasure here. Do not touch it. It will make you sick. That yeah. needs to be put. <laughs> yes. Right where Sweet Valley once stood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is something incredibly toxic about this town. Yeah. It's, and it's, it is a place of pure evil. <laughs> it's, it's just the worst and everyone is awful. I think probably Olivia and maybe Robert. Roger. Roger, Roger. even yeah. sorry, are like the only people who seem like decent people. They might get out. They might get out. They can maybe build an ark and sail away. Oh, the Patmans are going to corrupt Roger. Yeah. I mean, like, Roger potentially could get some cop on and pull away from them, but he probably won't realistically because the value system of these books would not reward that. No. Mm. And Olivia just needs to leave. Karen, it really is just a formality, but I have to ask you, is everyone terrible? I know they're grand. <laughs> oh my god, Francine has gotten to you. <laughs> I think we should just do a Sweet Valley High podcast from now on. <laughs> oh no, oh no, it's gotten into her mind. It's affected her. <laughs> okay. Alright, we need to wrap up. Okay. It's 1am. You need to let your husband out of the shed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, we have like nearly three and a half hours of recording. I'm so sorry, I'm so- Esther. <laughs> like, I'm kind of not sorry because this was... It was very cathartic. <laughs> we had a lot we needed to get off our chests. Great new appreciation for Stony Brook and Anna Martin. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Life lessons. Greed is good. It's the 80s. <laughs> Feelings are for suckers. Greed is good. You can tell, like, you know, I mean, just, just, just get on the right side of the rich, beautiful people. I think that's the lesson. Yeah. You'll do okay if you just get on the, the right side of the rich, beautiful people. Don't worry about whether they're good. Learn how to manage them and then get the fuck out of town. Yeah. I think, no, you know what? Life lesson from this is... Eat the rich. Eat the rich, yeah. Also, nylon is good. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the rich by nylon shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Guillotines for all. <laughs> so many guillotines oh my god hit us up on our social media tell us how upset this book made you Um, (laughs) very not very much i don't know (laughs) if not very much we're worried about you if you listen to us because of the babysitters club then uh, like yeah yeah yeah, april fools whatever don't read this happy april fools don't read this okay like if you like the wholesome small town connecticutness don't read this Mm -hmm. just don't it's bad and it will make you sad (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's bad and it'll make you feel bad and Francine Pascal should feel bad. Whoever they are, I assume, a team of at least 30 people. <laughs> yes. Maybe at the start it was just her. Francine Pascal and her many, many faces. It's not a real name. <laughs> oh, so many. So many ghostwriters. Oh, God. 
Yeah, next week we'll be back to the Babysitter's Club and thank God for that. Thank for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. We're sorry. We're, yes, we're very, very sorry. We'll never do it again. We might do it next time. We might do it. We're still yeah. going on. Maybe next Jessica probably does have fucking mandibles.